Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. Uh, this is brought to you as always by Tea Leaf Tea, La Pity Chocolat and Yeasty Boys. And this is a conversation I had with Yarda Nassau. She is a radio person. She is currently the um, host, co-host of Music 101, RNZ's flagship music show. So she's doing that at the moment and she's been a contributor to that over many years. Um, she's been a freelance radio producer, a stu- started off in student radio. And so we talk about all of those things. You can also hear her at the moment on um, the Song Crush podcast, which is an RNZ podcast that's actually run by former RNZ Music 101 host, Kirsten Johnstone, but uh, Yarden is one of the regular guests on that. We had a massive talk about student radio and RNZ and everything that she does and, and her life. And one of the things we talked about was Music 101's decision to broadcast its regular radio show the day after the Christchurch mosque shooting. So, you know, you had the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, We're all just coming to grips with it. Gosh, we're all still just coming to grips with it now, of course. But uh, in that first response, and the Music 101 team decided to go ahead with their show. So suddenly this meant a whole lot of decisions around what to play, what not to play, what interviews to run, how to pay tribute to the, you know, the country, how to how to ease the country through its morning, but shift the conversation for a few hours away from direct news. So that's quite an emotional end to the conversation and a fascinating little study. Um, I don't know how I first met Yard, and we tried to work that out at the start of this po- podcast. I feel like I've just known her for years, and um, and she was sort of the same. We must have mutual friends and know of each other, but um, yeah, this was a big, big conversation to have, and one that I've been looking forward to for a while. So, hope you enjoy this. This is me talking with RNZ Music 101's Yard and I saw. I have no real memory of knowing you, but except you've, you've, I've known you for ages. I would say the same. Yeah, I cannot work out a definitive sort of real life or online meeting point, but... No. Yeah, I've just been aware of you doing stuff and I guess we just work in a related space and so maybe, and we've got a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah, or maybe VBC? Yeah, maybe. I think. Yeah, and that's yeah. going back. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, well, it's, no, it's good. I wanted to talk to you for a while for a, for a bunch of reasons. I, I guess partly that uh, to try, to try and work so out. I usually say that. Yeah. To people, so it's quite weird to have someone say, oh, "I want to talk to you about stuff." I'm like, yeah. I've got, I've got nothing to say. And, and that that's the main reason. I, I really like the idea of interviewing or talking to interviewers, people, and, mm-hmm. and you know, people and reviewers and people who do. I guess similar things to what I'm doing in a different way. Um, I, I feel like also with radio, um, you know, you do get to know a person's, some of their personality and quirks through what they're doing, but people like to hear a bit about, you know, they like to hear the person talk a bit about themselves, how they've got to where they've got to. So, I mean, where did you come from? Are you Wellington born and bred? Are you, have you always been here? Where did you come into the world? I came into the world about... 500 metres away from where I live today, yeah. so I can see where I was born from my backyard. Uh, yeah, I was born in Wellington, mm. and then my family moved up to Whangarei when I was eight, um, which was a whole interesting adventure in and of itself to do that in the late 80s. And then I came back down, I was always coming back down to Wellington. My mum said that the whole time I lived in Whangarei, I was always like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not from here. I'm <laughs> going back to Wellington. So. What? Why did? What was the move for? 
Oh, to Whangarei. Yeah. My dad got a job up yeah. there, so my dad worked um, for the hospital boards and he got, you know, was mm. ad- advancing his yeah, career yeah. in that way that immigrants have to move to weird places after retraining in a job they already know how to do because that's just how it was back then. Yeah. Um, this is by no means unique. And also, I found out later in life that it was the first time ever my mum had lived away from her immediate family. Right. So right. all these things you, you don't realise yeah, as a yeah. child that yeah. are going on. Um, and, yeah, it was it was quite an adventure, you know, a little Asian family going up to Northland. And, yeah, we were there. I finished high school there, and then I was always coming back because my uncles were here, my grandmother was here, and <laughs> I'm from Wellington, police. And mm. I've been here ever, ever since with... Um, you know, one quick stint down in Christchurch and lots of time spent up north. So mm. yeah, people always ask me, oh, are you from Auckland? And I was like, no, I just spent tons of time mm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what are you, I mean, outside of the Whangarei experience or as part of that, what are you doing as a kid? What are you into? What, what? Oh, I, was, I think you probably can relate to this and maybe a lot of people you've spoken to can relate to this, but you just think everyone's like you that they just religiously watched ready to roll like 6pm on Saturday on channel 2 even from before I was at primary school yeah when I was a preschooler that was what I did on Saturdays Mm. if you wanted to know about the top 20 charts I could tell you you know why did I learn to use a VCR to record the music videos yeah Um, I used to record it I used to watch it, it was happening, record it, pause the ads, and also write down the numbers, like the list. Oh. I'd actually write it down, even though I was recording it, so I could just watch it again. But I wanted to write see, not down. everyone did this. Yeah. They're just, we're just... Yeah. <laughs> we're weirdos Weird. that <laughs> yeah. like yeah. that. You know, my first cassette I bought was Hitwave 83 when I yeah. was four or something. I distinctly remember still yeah. picking it up and buying it. Great compilation, by the way. Um... And what was the other? Yeah, I've got Hitwave 82 and 83 on oh, vinyl. Yeah. Oh, on yeah, vinyl! Yeah, yeah. Oh, you better pull it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? It's got Allentown by Billy Joel. Yeah. Still Pigeon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good. Um, I get them mixed up because the other one that I had, which was a New Zealand compilation from the same time, was called Trackman. Like it was riffing on Pac-Man. Ooh. And um, that's probably the record I've listened to the most in my life because. You know, my mum bought it. Yeah. When it, when it came out in '83, and then I've still got her copy, but I had to buy another copy of it. Yeah. I'm happy to put it on the record that my parents have dreadful taste in music. <laughs> so, uh, but my dad. Dreadful. Always... Give us a couple of examples of what you would consider dreadful. Are you uh, talking Nana Muscuri? Are you talking Jim Reeves? Oh yeah. Okay. And Cliff Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was the cool stuff. No, that was like, oh no, we listened to a lot of Connie, actually some stuff, like we listened to lots of Connie Francis. Yeah. Um, so you load that stuff as a kid, but then you get to a I'm really glad now. my parents love yeah. Everly Brothers now, mm, mm. you know, now I'm like, oh phew. Yeah. But you know, I can't, you can't ever sort of say with pride, oh my parents introduced me to Jim Reeves and uh, Cliff Richard. Um, but my uncle and I used to watch Ready to Roll all the time and listen to lots of ABBA yeah. Apparently the story goes is that I used to always like even dance to the commercials, and a lot of ABBA. 
Um, but here's the. This is the thing. You know, like mm. you did your lists of, mm, mm. of the top twenty. Yeah, and I used to pause and write down the lyrics of songs, listening to them on tape. You know, even though they were in the the liner notes, in the liner notes, yeah. I would still write handwrite them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I can relate to this, but I think the thing that summed it up was it was Live Aid, and I set myself up with my little deck chair yeah. and my snacks, and my parents were like. We're off to bed, and they just let me stay up till you know, it must have been like one or two in yeah, the morning. Because yeah. yeah. I just remember I, had, I was like, I need to witness this. I need to soak all this in. Yeah. I must know about this. Yeah. Um, and I guess I sometimes still feel the same about music and being at concerts and festivals. Um, we lived in Newtown, so I'd always see the drift of people to Athletic Park. Right, yeah. So back, when yeah, AHA came before, in 86, yeah. like I'd spent the afternoon at school making a flag and I'd just wave it out to all the people <laughs> who were going because I just so desperately, desperately wanted to be at a yeah. concert. To me, a live concert seemed like the absolute pinnacle of what you could spend your time on this earth doing so as a kid. I didn't grow up in a, in a big city and so there was just not an option to go to a concert um so when did you get to go to something like that because i because i remember feeling a bit like that and i can remember things like going to auckland for a family holiday and finding out the next day that the arrhythmics had played and being you know eight or nine years old why weren't we there <laughs> you know it was not even on holiday it wasn't an option because didn't know about it and you know your family's not just gonna no. Upload you and take you to something like that. But, yeah. But you were in Wellington when there were some pretty cool big shows happening here in the 80s at Athletic Park. Did you get to any of those? Hell no. no. Hell no. Because no. I just told you which yeah. artists made Yeah, yeah, yeah. To. So they're not going to take so it. Yeah. I remember the, the, the kids up the road, the twins up the road came and slept over the night at our house because their parents had gone to David Bowie's Serious Moonlight mm. to a gig. And I remember they were sleeping on the floor of my room and I was lying in my bed trying to stay awake to try and listen to it. Yeah. You know, I was like, maybe I can, if I just lie here, I'll get to hear it. Um, yeah, but I didn't get to my first concert until... Oh... Big day out. I'm sure I've forgotten a concert I went to. Yeah. But the first one I remember making a complete mission to was Big Day Out 1995. Yeah. I was allowed to go to Big Day Out 1994. Who was it? Who was it the 95 Big Day Out? 95 was Hull. The yeah. Cult. Um, I remember coming to Wellington and seeing the Cult. The night before, doing the, I didn't go the big day out, but I came down here. I was just about to move here, so I came and saw the town, cult play at the town hall. Primal Scream? Right. Ministry? I can remember the, 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 uh, that was the big day out with the, the bees, I think, in the flyer. Okay, yeah, we, yeah. we are, we are covered yeah, the yeah. same cloth, yeah, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, I, I, and I was allowed to go to 1990, the 1994 one, you know, the one that Straight Jacket Fitz played mm, at, the Breeders mm. played, Urge Overkill, Soundgarden, mm. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. And I remember saying, Mum, I really want to go to this. 
and she said, yeah, you can go, but you need to find a friend to go with. Mm. And I could not find a single friend <laughs> to go with me. Um, the end. Yeah, so I think... But I'm pretty sure I went to some other concerty type thing. But I just forget stuff now. Mm-mm. Yeah. So this is probably pretty early in high school for you. Yeah. 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 And so music just stays a thing for you. Mm. It's just... I mean, the bands have probably got yeah, better. Yeah, the yeah. taste has improved. Yeah, yeah. But the passion and obsession with it, I think, mm. hasn't. Did you have a thought at all around those, like, child and teenage years of, you know, before you get to the big day out and then once you've been to it and watching Live Aid, did you have a thought at all, I'm going to have a job in music in some way? Were you thinking in any way at all in like a fantasy sense or with some realism this is what I want to do I think I remember the first job I ever wanted was um, watching the news and I was a kid and I saw some student activists standing up for what they believed in and I just had that you know if you can imagine it was almost like a kind of aha cinematic moment where you're like mm-hmm. and everything comes into into focus and you're like this is what I'm going to do and I just thought it was again the same feeling of music of like these people are standing up for what they believe in and they're going to make society a better place I wish to do this so that that I think I did first although having said that my first job unsurprisingly was uh, I, I was one of those um, people that you'd be envious of as a teenager who got the job in the music store yeah after right wow yeah yeah I had to wait until I was a university student for that I think I was just harassing them mm. sounds Cameron Street Mall in Whangarei where every day I'd be like <laughs> is melancholy and infant sadness arrived yet has it arrived yet the release date was last week has it arrived yet I want my double CD and my t-shirt <laughs> and honestly they just got sick of me coming in every day going is it here yet is it here yet and then finally one day I also had the piece of paper that was for work experience I went is it here yet can I do my work experience here <laughs> and they were like yes and so that was my and then I was competent enough at adding up numbers and yep. knowing the alphabet because yep. it's very key in working in a music store yeah. and knowing the alphabet um, um, then I, that was my after school when job I, when, yeah when I went for a job when I went for my first job in a music store they gave me five or six CDs and asked me to put them in alphabetical order in the in the job in the job interview. And I remember thinking how stupid that was, but I guess I guess I've I guess there were people that I know I was gonna say I went on to work with people that probably you know you know, somehow they skipped that step. Yeah, or maybe they had mild <laughs> dyslexia. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's very important. You need to know that Mariah Carey goes before Mary J. Blige. Yeah. That's very yeah, important. Yeah. Actually, no, Mariah Carey would be under C. Yeah, iTunes has ruined that for everyone. Yeah. And then, you know, it was like, oh, are they on Polygram or mm, mm. b or Sony? You know, that was that was sort of the, the... There was a cachet in knowing which drawer to go to straight when you away. Got, when you got the music store job, was it actually cool? Did you love it? Yeah. 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 And people were envious and... I don't know if... Or maybe your friends thought you had the cool job. 
I never thought it was. I never thought I was. I was never cool, so it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It was just that I really love music. I yeah. want to work in the music store, and you know, I think there was two guys who worked there, and so I guess it was just adding a bit of a different mix to who mm-hmm. was behind the store, and I mm. wasn't entirely useless. Mm. I mean, if it wasn't that job, ah, oh. <laughs> um. You know, my my dad was adamant I had to get an after school job, so he would hustle me these like terrible jobs like packing tomatoes over one summer and I said to them, Look, I can't do this weekend because I've got the big day out and then I've got this other concert I'm gonna go to <laughs> and I've got these other like I'm going camping, so I can't do these weekends over this, you know, nine week period or whatever. Didn't last long in that job. You know, Dad tried to get me a job at Pack and Save or Big Fresh. I think Big Big Fresh is the only job I never got from an interview. You know, not not that I'm saying that every interview I've had I've got a yeah, job, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was the one where I clearly showed no interest <laughs> in working in the deli department or cleaning yeah. out the rotisserie oven. Yeah. So yeah, of course I was going to work at the music store. <laughs> yeah. So you come back to Wellington. Yeah. To do what? Oh, I came to do um, a politics and anthropology degree, and my high school said, oh, so I remember I was really angry at my seventh form teachers because we had this leaving ceremony, and I was only at the school for one year, and they went, and this is Yadina So, she is going to go do her degree in politics and join the cafe society, and I was like, so incensed by that, and Every day I've lived since, I kind of am impressed at the teacher's insight into Mm. 17-year-old me, but also, oh my God, was I that much of a pretentious wanker even then that Mm. they could spot it a Mm. mile away. No, they're they're better at spotting things about us than we give them credit for at the time. I think my report when I was 10, 9 or 10, said um, Simon doesn't suffer fools gladly. And I thought, fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. And I've just continued to think that's awesome. I don't know if they meant it as a compliment or not, yeah. but I took it that way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? that's been your, that, that'll be your epitaph. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here lies Simon Sweetman, <laughs> doesn't suffer fools gladly. Yeah, mine was always, um, has potential, lacks effort. And mm, that's pretty is, much how I function. Arguably, a con- uh, could apply to New Zealand. Yeah, that's the uh, that rings through my head every day. It's like mm. has potential, lacks effort. Like, mm. Yep. Mm. Sorry, everyone. I could do so much better for you. When did you get into a radio station or think that you might? Oh, so. I think I I think I wanted to since I was in high school, but then I had the music job. Um. And I always did speech and drama and those kinds of things, you know. So you saw yourself going, you know, I could I could be that person on the radio doing ah, that. Yeah, actually, yeah, my cousin and I, when we were about six or seven, again, got the old tape, mm. tape, you know, the, the radio stereo cassette machine. Mm. And while what? our parents were all occupied, I think till about, we got left till about, two or three o'clock in the morning and we made our own radio station 
So we like recorded our own little yeah. ads and yeah. did our little voice breaks and, and all that. Yeah. I don't know where that cassette is, but yeah, I guess so. It's, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I've got I've got one of one of those somewhere, a cassette tape of, of me making a radio show yeah. for myself. And uh, I think I've got the tape just in case it ever gets heard. Yeah. Know, it's best I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. case someone use it for ex- <laughs> use it for extortion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I guess I was always wanting to do that, and I remember heaps of people um, giving me career advice of, oh, you should go do a media studies degree, mm. sort of in this. You should do journalism or this or broadcasting of some kind, and I'm kind of really glad I didn't because I don't think I was mature enough, or um, I'd just be a horrible person if I'd done it from then. I think. So you you do your degree and what do you how do you what you move into the student radio station? Yeah, yeah. So I was too I was too um, radioactive was too cool to mm. even touch. Like mm. I just could not I remember having that feeling. Imagine yeah. even knocking on the door. Yeah. I think one of my friends in like our first year here, um, because it was up on campus then, mm. and he did do like a kind of couple of sort of Friday or Saturday night graveyard shifts. You know, you basically that's where they would people that yeah like like you not leaving the music store alone. People that would knock on the door and keep asking. Yeah, you got to do your graveyard. Do your graveyard shift. shift. And I, I remember tuning in to hear him do a couple, and I and I do remember thinking, oh, I should do that too. I should do that too, but I I couldn't ask them. I just didn't think yeah. I had the sophisticated enough music taste to yeah. to um, be on Radioactive. And I think that was also that time where it was just wall-to-wall drum and bass and dub, you know, mm-hmm. the, the era where Wellington fell into a dub coma. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I was a little rock kid, which may surprise people who hear the music I'm always championing now because I mm. couldn't be further away from that now. Um but yeah, I was such an indie rock kid at that time. Um, so yeah, the, the, things the, like oh, uh, what was I listening to then? Uh, university. So I was listening to. I mean, again, this is some really dubious stuff in amongst there. So yeah. this is like by no means third wave of grunge. Oh no, it was that horrible <laughs> cutting edge between grunge and dance music oh yeah yeah so no actually i really enjoyed the lost highway soundtrack i'm just gonna um lost highway soundtrack um the train spotting soundtrack uh that was the time they they still hold up now yeah that's why i said those ones because i don't want to sort of you don't want to name the jim reeves of your (laughs) yeah oh was it veruca salt that was the and a lot of um prodigies music for the jilted generation at that time Um, the Spawn soundtrack would be. I was also going to mention the Spawn <laughs> would soundtrack. Would be the one. That would oh be the God. one that probably doesn't stand up as well. Yeah, I, I sort of mentally deleted mm, mentioning that. Yeah, yes, yeah. that is yeah. guilty as charged. That's right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you've got to listen wide and yeah. listen far. Um, I have a very soft spot for Da Bomb. That yeah, compilation yeah. that's yeah. got some like great hip hop and rap tracks. Um, what about those yeah. BFM trip compilations? Oh yes, I yeah, had the trip. Yeah. The trip three was yeah. my favourite right. trip of all the trips. Yeah. 
Um, I might have had a, an outlier would have been, like I said, De Bomb and maybe Rhythm Volume 9. Yeah, those yeah, were two yeah. outliers. Wouldn't touch rap with a barge pole back in those days. And then, of course, that just leads you down towards Goldie and Metalhead oh, yeah, and yeah. the Cooter and Dorfmeister. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, K&D yes. sessions, yeah, yeah. and then that sort of period of acid Which, jazz and, and trip-hop. And I worked in the CD store in Lampton Quay in the, just a couple of years on from there in the early 2000s, and they came up with this, because they had the cafe attached, they came up with this terrible genre name for some sort of hybrid between the, yeah, the K&D end of dance music and acid jazz and they called it cafe culture Ugh. as a section oh. and uh, had <laughs> had things like bazoo bazoo and yeah and and that kind of stuff in there and um, the, the oh, thievery corporation pe- yeah thievery corporation peace orchestra yeah all that sort of stuff yeah um, anything off the g-stone label yes basically. Yeah, yeah 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 and so some of it was really good music oh, go town project yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and some of it was really good music and um but just that name brings yeah, brings a shudder to my soul yeah, yeah. i just got the kind yeah. of cold shake <laughs> then too yeah so that was that was what i was okay. listening to but i could I was you could so you couldn't take that to active because because oh. that's what you're basically saying is that's the real cheesy commercial end of what active was playing and and rebelling against they were playing the cool version of that but you've got to you can understand this when you come from the provinces mm. and you have to drive out to Mangatapere to even catch a thread of BFM mm-hmm. you know or fight your parents off the cast area as soon as you hit the edge of Auckland to like get it onto 95 yeah um, BFM this is you, you know this Things were just not as available, and mm. so you didn't know. You could read all the, you know, air-freighted spin magazines that you could, mm. but we just weren't in that dance music culture that Wellington had, yeah, and yeah. or that roots music culture that we can really attribute to Roots Foundation mm-hmm. and all the, you know, and Clinton Smiley putting on those dance parties and um, Chris Morley Hall, you know, that sort of that community mm. that educated people about that type of music that it just didn't reach north of Auckland mm. you know I'd be lucky if it even reached Auckland as well Auckland mm. was in its Auckland house yeah, yeah. you know the yeah. cool celeb and box era yeah yeah so um, yeah. you know I think things were much more regional but it was only when I went to do my postgrad in Christchurch that I fell into the student radio right yeah yeah and probably almost derailed my post-grade studies because I just I finally found my home RDU yeah and what was RDU like the it feels like it's the the most accessible and acceptable of the still cool radio stations for people you know everything you were just talking about about not feeling confident comfortable with approaching active it feels like RDU is the place everyone's always felt comfortable going to. I know a lot of stories of people that that's where they they got their start or they had a show or they had a segment. They I felt they felt welcome. You know, but it was like, still a cool station. It wasn't that it was shit. No, I think Christchurch. I mean, it's funny to me talk about Christchurch now. Mm. Um, and this was pre-earthquake Christchurch when I was there. And the thing about it. 
For some of the things we identify about the negative aspects or the negative environment around Christchurch, namely its conservatism, its racism, mm -hmm. is that the people who are about making good things or making art or being creative is that you hold on to each other and you bring everyone into that tent and you make your good. And so in that regard, Christchurch is really, that community is really welcoming and open to people who want to be part of that mm. because outside of that is everyone who just sneers at you and is either into rugby, skinheadism or whatever mm. or, or making sure that they pronounce it Finn Dalton, you know? <laughs> or or the or the boy races. Yeah. Yeah. Getting high on NOS. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's maybe why RDU is so um approachable mm. but also I think this this is sort of bringing my other uh, life experience into that is UCSA which is a students association is also an incredible was at the time or has been over years a very very well organized students association and that it made really astute financial decisions to have resources for students to do things so in that regard RDU could be kept afloat without a lot of the politics or the um, friction that mm -hmm. those stations had with their respective mm. um, student, student associations. associations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was super, super involved in student associations. You know, once upon a time I was the person with the shaved head and the megaphone. That's probably how you might have first known yeah, me, yeah, yeah, as yeah, like right. ranting off the back of a flatbed <laughs> truck leading you down to Parliament yeah. with our Minister, now Minister of Education. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so what do you what do you end up doing on RDU? So the first thing I do is I go in there and I nervously poke my head in and ask yeah. for a volunteer form and I wrote down all the coolest music I could think of. Um, that's right, that's always the judgiest thing about the those radio station jobs, right? Particularly yeah. the student ones is name five yeah. albums you're listening to at the moment or name your five favourites or whatever. Yeah. And people I think a lot of people that's the stumbling block can't think of the you know yeah coolest things possible and I was a little bit older then yeah. too so I think I had that confidence and it was a new city so I had no mm. um prior existence or you no know shame. well yeah and also Wellington is like you were in your little tribe like you mm -hmm. were known as either you're part of the hospo crew or you're part of the like, DJ crew or you're part mm -hmm. of the sort of university activist circles like you you as much as everyone mixes together, mm -hmm. you stay in your lane. You don't suddenly go from, oh, you work behind a bar at XYZ Cafe and, oh, now you're doing a show on Active. Like, to me, that was just mm -hmm. outside the realms of possibility. But in Christchurch, it didn't matter. I could kind of go and secretly reinvent myself. So I go in there, fill my form out, leave it with my now very, very dear friend, Pip Algie, who was the mm. volunteer coordinator at that time. I was just thinking about your arty story, and I was like, oh, that's how you know Pip. That's yeah, how yeah, I know yeah, Pip. Yeah. So we can all uh, yeah. credit Pip for being the mm. person who got me on the radio. Mm. So if you like me being on radio, go thank Pip Algie. If you can't stand me being on the radio, <laughs> go, bug go, go, you know, <laughs> throw stones yeah. at her house. Yeah. I won't tell you where it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, so she, she, I left my form there and I walked back over to my office to go back and do my, do my research I was supposed to be doing and then I get immediately, I hadn't even got back to my office across campus mm. and I get this phone call from Pip going, 
um, okay, great, we really want you to volunteer, do you want to come and do a show? I was like, yes? She's like, okay, come in on Thursday and we'll just give you, you know, I think it was two to four, you mm. know, that sort of pre-drive mm, mm, slot. Mm. Okay, went in with a big stack of CDs and by this time I had way better taste in music. I'd gone down the soul funk hole, you know, I was in a, I was in the stack soup, like everything... I don't know why, sort of the theme of adultery, which seemed to be pretty much the entire catalogue of Stax releases, mm. was all about adultery. But for some reason, soul and funk spoke to me at that time, so I was just obsessed with that. Going with my giant stack of CDs, um, and no one told me what to do. They just said, press these buttons and do this. I was like, okay. And... I did my first voice break, played some songs, and <laughs> came out, and Grimmy was the PD at the time, and they were just there clapping. And, you know, being so, a person that's so mm. eager to please, and who doesn't, you know, has potential but lacks effort, mm. this mm. took me no effort to do, and I was getting a reward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your potential was being recognised. Yeah, with zero effort. Yeah, so was perfect. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just want to break in and say, actually, since since we've mentioned Pip a couple of times, Pip's a previous guest to the podcast. She's a music therapist. She And when she came, possibly when she came around to do that episode, she gave me, I think, one of the very last of her RDU CDs that she still had, which was The Man Squirm. She's an excellent yeah. ear for yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. So I might, I just wanted to mention that if anyone's listening and hadn't, heard that episode Pips on the podcast so we did talk about RDU quite a bit in did, that. did she talk about how she's a coliatura or was she's, she's a trained opera singer I can't remember the full conversation but I feel like that did come up yeah there you go I'm just yeah. giving yeah. it's an episode yeah. worth listening yeah, to yeah there you go yeah, yeah. plug 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 <laughs> yeah so she's got um, we used to call her the oral taser because mm. sometimes she'll just like whip out one of those high-end notes that could mm. almost break glass or bring tears of joy to you. Mm. Anyway, I met her there, and she's one of my dearest friends mm. now. So, you know, this is the great thing about student radio as well. You make lifelong friendships, mm. and it is that training ground for jobs you might do. So then I eventually got, I think, a Thursday, um, that Thursday slot, and then quickly it turned into, I think, a drive show, and then the next thing I somehow inveigled my way into the morning show to offer to do news, be uh, Wemo's newsreader. Um, and this required me getting up extraordinarily yeah. early. And I'm yeah. not a morning person, but, you know, the desire to go and uh, read news. Well, actually, I didn't read news. I actually did news analysis <laughs> um, under the guise of news. I was really, uh, yeah, and then eventually I'd fill in for him on some mornings I think he may have had to turn my microphone off a few times because I started wavering out of news into mm. like perhaps commentary co-hosting territory <laughs> even right. though that wasn't really my <laughs> not in the job description exactly um, and then Hat who was the then station manager at the time because the station was still owned by the students association then um, said oh we need a researcher to do the um 30th anniversary of RDU do you want to do this for you know again a very minimal amount mm, of money mm. but doesn't matter don't care mm. so that was super fun so I put, pulled together the 30th anniversary story and thought oh my goodness there's a story to tell for every single station of this this is something someone needs to do 
uh, and then eventually my then boyfriend, now husband, had to stage a rescue mission to bring me back to Wellington because mm. uh, he's like, you have to come home after a year and a half. And so I came back to Wellington, did a little bit on Active, and I mean, Active was a different in a different yeah. zone at that time. But what I liked about IDU... So when you go to Active, that's because you don't have any um, worries about it because you've got your background. Runs on, yeah, got runs, runs on the board. On the board. You, yeah, you, yeah. You've, you've been on RDU, so you have you just go in front yeah. Active and ask if you can do something because you've got yeah. proof you can do it. Yeah. 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 And I think I might have sometimes done say, um, Sam 60 show. Oh, yeah. So that yeah. was say, Samantha Hayes' yeah. 12 to 1 little slot then. Um, but what I didn't, what I found really difficult about Radioactive that RDU was better at was doing interviews and talking to bands and that kind of thing and RDU has that mix of programming where it still wants to have people talking about news or doing interviews but Active at that time was still a dedicated radio station and it was almost, it was verboten to ever have a, I mean now my interviewing skills are at a different level but at that time even to have those conversational interviews wasn't really radioactive style so mm. um i didn't feel like it really fitted in there i got offered a drive show and i said okay right i really want to do it but i want to make it you know a magazine show but also have music mm. and i think that was just too out there at that time so i was like flag and then landed up going and getting embroiled in vbc which was a little LPFM up at Vic, which was the yeah. Actor. So that kind of it replaces what Active started off being, right? Yeah. The actual yeah. on-campus thing. Yeah, and yeah. there I was back in the same hole in the student union building mm. of Victoria as a totally not student mm. doing the breakfast show there. Yeah. Again, like I had a normal job, but I'd still get up every morning. <laughs> Um, and do it. And I, have to, I just want to give a shout out to the awesome people who were my newsreaders back then, which was Ryan Bridge, mm -hmm. from um, who was Radio Live and is now, I don't know, doing fancy TV, mm. excuse me, fancy TV stuff now. Um, I knew him when he wore far too much hair product <laughs> and was commuting in from maybe Kapiti Coast or something like that. Uh, and Nina Fowler, who I think has one of the most beautiful radio voices and even then was almost a complete broadcaster mm. as a student who's now, I think, news editor here at RNZ at Wellington, mm. and uh, Denise, whose last name escapes me, who used to be a sports reporter and morning report producer, but now she's gone over to um, the UK or something. So right. those are so all that, our news yeah, readers. Yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. So that crew all stayed in radio and, yeah. and achieved. Yeah. 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 You know, and... That is the power of student radio, mm. wherever it is. Not just my story, but people before us and more likely people after us as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it really enables the voice. Like, gives a chance for you to really, you know, discover who you are and who you want to be as a, as a kind of broadcaster, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's such an excellent training ground. You know, mm. we don't have cadetships or, you know, maybe apprenticeships are out of fashion at the moment, mm. but... There is something to be said for even, say, yourself with writing, Simon. The more you do it, the better you are at it. 
you just get good at your craft and so I think student radio is one of those things where mm. you get a chance to make your mistakes you get a chance to sound better and also you're just passionate and want to do something I think it's really important it's like now you've got me I can't tell it's a bit like that school report I can't tell if you just gave me a compliment or a criticism oh <laughs> That's well, okay. No. That's okay though. No, no, but you write for a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. that you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, no, no, no. I know what you're you saying. take your yeah, you yeah. take your ideas and you put yeah. it to paper. Yeah, yeah. To this day, that just yeah, you, you you get good at something if you do it heaps. Yeah. Generally, yeah. like, and if you don't, you're you're doing the wrong thing. You need to at some point. If you don't improve, you're not working hard enough at it, or you've got the wrong approach and you need to do something else. Yeah, you or know, you're like, just not suffering. You're just giving up on the fools again. Well, I'm not going to become. <laughs> You know, I can't do 10,000 hours at basketball now and join the NBA. That's not going to happen. So that would be a deluded thing. But I can get better and better at writing by doing even more of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, if you told your then 10-year-old self who had that report that yeah. you'd be writing a book about Phil Judd, I don't know if you're about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you'd be like, I can't write a book back then. Yeah, yeah. But now yeah. it's you, it's totally... Except I wrote a really good book about Australian animals when I was 10. Oh, okay. It was like an extra school project. It was kind of same subject, really. Sort same of subject, subject. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah. Like rare Australian animals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much well, so. Well, you've, you've stayed in your lane. So, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what's the, big, what's the big step for you then? When do you, when do you, what do you do next? Oh, so, I, oh, that's right. I, I went and had children, so I did that. And at that time I went back to my community activist roots. Oh, yeah, because that's a whole nother. Mm. Yeah, let's get into that. Another life of in between student radio and studying. Uh, so I went off and did that, and um, somehow, as one does with volunteer organisations, hey, we're looking for a new chairperson <laughs> of our non-profit uh, early education centre. If you do it, you get one free session for your child. Someone say free? Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. So I did that for six years and managed to um, escape the nearly closing doors of that place so that was crossways community mm. creche mm. um that i found out when i i sent my children there that my mum said you know you went there too so wow that's, yeah that's quite nice yeah um you know so wellington eh <laughs> um yeah so i what we did there with a bunch of other parents was managed to buy a building in mount victoria fundraise renovate it and still maintain a very small family-like atmosphere in a very hostile early education environment. And what, what you did was you guys ran it, but you put, you put teachers in to Oh, so there was always teach. teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but you ran the, the sort of... Government and management. Yeah, 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 the admin side of it. Yeah. You, you controlled it. Yeah. Put the teachers in to actually do their job. Yeah. Let them just teach and develop kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so they weren't worried about hiring new people. You would do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also we had to make sure the doors were open, that there are enough children. And then mm -hmm. you get into that thing of, um, you, of people love it because there's really high ratios, i.e. there's very few children to a teacher, but that does not keep the doors open. And yet these are our youngest citizens who need the most input and need to be 
resource you know we need to put resources into that to make sure we get that right you know mm. those first five years are crucial not just for the children but for the parents because we're learning to be parents and in the way that our society is you, those skills and those instincts aren't they're not quick to develop and so in some ways in that environment the teachers are also teaching educating the parents on how to be a parent too mm. and also the parents are creating their networks I don't know about you guys but we've still got friends from those days you know that your kids grow mm. up together and mm. you still the Crossways crew and alumni are still tight to this day um, so yeah I did that and I did that with a group of parents where you know we effectively bought a building renovated it still kept the doors open did all the things that needed to do at a time when a lot of those little non-for-profit parent-run mm. community centers were closing down mm. and I think that was one of those times where I actually put in lots of effort <laughs> and um, mostly because stakes were so so high this time it's personal yeah. <laughs> you know? well no this time it's other people's children well, yeah, and other and people's jobs um, I mean my kids would be fine yeah. wherever they went but it was like I really believe in this as a model for mm -mm. this is a good thing in our society mm -mm. that we need to keep going and you know of course it's not um, lost on me that we're in an extreme um, extremely privileged community that has the the time, the resources, the education, the know-how to make that happen. You know, of course, it's in Mount Victoria. How could it not succeed? Um, but, you know, that was pulling together people to loan it money to just mm. crazy, crazy, really boring adult things. Um, but I think seeing that project through gave me the confidence to finally knock on RNZ's door and be like, I have an idea to make a program. Yeah. So that's how all that stuff came together. And what was the idea? The History of Student mm. Radio. Mm. Which comes out in, what, four parts? Yes. And Which I'd do so much better now if I did it again. Sure. But it still works. It's not embarrassing. You know, you, you might do it better because you've done more of that stuff and grown more as a person and all that, but in terms of a... You all have to thank Kirsten Johnstone for making that piece of radio work. Well, in terms of a, a runs-on-the-board type situation, yeah. a next-level thing, it's, it's a very good it's a very good thing to have out there and to exist, you know? Yeah. It's, it works well. I mean, I, I, I listen, I've listened to it a couple of times, you oh, know, cool. so Thanks. the fact that it, you know, stands up to a repeat listen... Says one thing about a radio program, surely, right? I guess so. Yeah. Well, you know, I thank my producer Kirsten yeah. Johnstone, who yeah. like basically whipped me into shape. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So you go to them with that idea. Yeah. And Kirsten helps you. Yeah. Someone says yes to it. Yes. Is it her that says yes to it? I think or? it was Sam Whip. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it might have been, you know. Yeah. Um, an old football mate that worked up there that might have helped yeah, me. Yeah. Well, this get is that New idea. Zealand. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sport yeah. is very important. Sport yes. has its place in the arts. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you know, an old football teammate was like, "Oh, we're looking for content for our summer show. Does anyone have any ideas?" I was like, "Yes, me. I have an idea." Uh, and then I got someone to help me write a proper proposal for it, which you know I probably should do more often for mm. some of the things I pitch. Um, 
and yeah they said just go and do it and then through the process of just we you know turning up all the time to do a thousand interviews they mm. eventually had to give me a swipe card because everyone got sick of trying to get me in the building because <laughs> I think I interviewed maybe like 40 or 50 people yeah yeah so what what was the gestation period for that piece like how what how oh, much time yeah. do you think you spent putting that together I'd rather not think about yeah, it I yeah, like to course. think I like to think and then, of it and as then let's intern- break down the hourly rate no <laughs> I looked at it as yeah. an internship sure or a cadetship yeah. if you will and yeah. like, you know it was I was in a really fortunate position where I had two young children mm. um, and a partner and, and my husband that was working full time so this mm. was you know hobby mum project hobby mum yeah, project yeah yeah um, so, yeah, it was. I think it took me about a year to mm. pull together because mm. I was learning so much as well. And, and how yeah. much, when you say you, you could probably do a bit of a job of it now, how much do you reckon you lost in the edit? Oh. Because you're I talking make... about, you, uh, I mean, yeah, because you're talking about four hours that covers this giant period. So how, you know, in a perfect or imperfect world, I guess, really, in terms of, throwing everything at it and not having a, a fine edit it could have been what 30 hours of material easily oh it must have been and it was it was also just going to people's you know tracking all these people down from all over the world and just hearing their story and you know now that I guess I'm more focused and mercenary about what I need it would be like I'm talking to you for 20 minutes and that's it I'm done mm-hmm. whereas at that time I'd take an hour or 45 minutes and just hear those stories. And yeah, we, yeah. You need to do that, right? Now you can, that's, that's exactly what's yeah. shaped your ability to spot this is what I need from you. Yeah. Is sitting through. But there's also something really beautiful yeah, yeah. about sitting down like we are now. Just totally. That's why these aren't 10 minute, yeah. you know, they could be. Yeah. You could turn these into 10 minute sound bites, but lots of people do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the most, no, that's one of the hardest things in anything. Like, probably when you write as well, there's, or if you're doing a review, there's so much more you could say in a different way or more that you could do to expand it. Mm. But the deadline means... Well, it used to. Like, yeah. now I write for myself most yeah. of the time online, so I can... I can still turn something in overnight and it can be a thousand words because I don't have to, yeah. you know, like if I... Does that give you more time to... Um, Sometimes, yeah. Fashion... Um, you know, you're not... You know, of you not suffering fools, it also means you don't mind sticking your head mm-hmm. over the parapet and sure. saying things that sure. are a little bit... I don't want to say controversial, but, you know, then things people don't like to say out loud. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. a bit sure. nice. sure. So, do you think if you didn't have deadlines, it gives you more time to... Uh, craft it. Craft it, yeah. Yeah, yes and no. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. When I used to do the newspaper reviews and, and have a real tight deadline, it, I guess it's similar to, to things you've done in terms of when you're on the microphone and you shit yourself the first few times and then you feel okay about it. You know, I used to really enjoy having 10 minutes to write no more than 400 words and actually having 10 that minutes. That sounds like, like my complete and utter hell. Well, it's, yeah, and it's like, that's the funny thing for all the, I, I never, I'm not saying this is someone who thinks they deserve a medal for it or even a pay rise 
for it. A lot of it I did unpaid, but it's very it was very thrilling to get home and run it, literally run into the house, get to the computer, type, 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 bang, send. And then the next day when it's, you know, sure, it's about to become fish and chip paper, but the next day when someone's reading it and saying, what a shit review, I could do that. If you gave them those conditions, they could not. You know, they, they would not be able to do it. It, it. They wouldn't be able to turn it around in 10 minutes, the person complaining that it's a shit review. They wouldn't. Yeah, but also... Doesn't mean doesn't mean that I, I, I my review is beyond criticism. I could yeah. totally get it wrong. I'm not... But but it was... A, what I'm saying... What I'm sort of saying is... That takes a certain amount of confidence. Like, if I was... Yeah. If I had the same... Mm. Like, for me, it would be I need... 90 minutes mm-hmm. to craft 400 sure. very average words but I would if, if I if I was in your shoes I would shy away from having the confidence to put out my true thoughts yeah 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 you know it's like I need you three do days safe, I need, you do the safe this will yeah the that's box. what or that or you know I'll just say something very very Mm-mm. euphemistically if you read between the lines you might know what I'm trying to say mm. um but I wonder about that confidence like where does that come from of being like you know what I've got 10 minutes I'm just going to say this to hell with it I think it's just um, how do you not be so nice um, or eager to please well I think it's just uh, probably just I can't I can't remember what it was like the first time having to do it and that so I probably the first time I'd be so you know, I can't remember the first time I can remember the first review I wrote for the what was then the Evening Post, and it was of um, the band Fear Factory, yeah. which fits into your. Oh uh, no 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 Fear Factory no no. <laughs> no but maybe yeah. not your personally, but it does fit into things like the Spawn soundtrack More and tall. yeah More yeah tall yeah. Than Fear Factory, please. So I I asked if I could. I'd written some CD reviews for the paper, and I asked if I could review Fear Factory because. I had a flatmate who wanted to go. That yeah. was the reason. I wanted to get into reviewing gigs. Yeah. And I thought if I could get two free tickets to Fear Factory, my flatmate would be pretty stoked and that would be a nice thing to do. And I had to research Fear Factory a bit, do some listening because I was pretty unfamiliar. And I had to go around to a friend's house and borrow their computer. Yeah. And all of that sort of stuff. So I, rem- I remember taking ages. I remember sitting, writing it. Agonising over it. Going outside, having a cigarette. I was a smoker then, you know, probably printing it out and reading it, going back, rewriting it. Yeah. So it took hours. And it's a really, I mean, it'll be around somewhere, but it's a really perfunctory piece of writing. It's a positive enough review. Yeah. It was a good enough show. Yeah, but when do you go from like... So when do like, I go from that to just... Like, These guys are garbage and here's why. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. like, or this is what I think of Aldous Harding. Yeah. Goat videos. Like, yeah. wow, how do you do that? Well, you know, that that's that's many years in between those things. That's many years and thousands of reviews, isn't it? Um, and also... You just become jaded, Simon. I don't know if it's jaded. I mean, I definitely have become jaded, sure, but I don't think it's that. I think, like, the Aldous Harding thing was just a, a bit of a joke, like a a non-review thing like I have so little interest in this and I'm so uninterested in the hype around it that I'm going to not review it by posting a video of a goat and having a bit of a laugh and um, And you don't mind that people don't respond well to that that yeah or that they've misunderstood the intent because you're saying I didn't like the hype around that I can totally relate Mm -hmm. to that Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have the balls to go and chuck something out with a goat bleating. Mm. 
Well, I've done it before, like, and it's, it becomes an interesting sort of, uh, this, sounds, this sounds a bit pretentious, but it becomes an interesting commentary on taste because I've done it before. I, I, I did a horse farting video for um, uh, James Reed from The Feelers, but no yeah. one gives a fuck about James Reed from The Feelers. They're not, they don't, you know, he's not cool. And so their taste isn't being judged. Yeah. But Aldous Harding was cool, and everyone felt pretty cool for liking her, I think. And so they start to feel like their taste is being judged, and who, who the hell is this guy to say my taste in music is no good? So or then, is that thing as certain artists are above reproach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went and I really wanted to like Aldous Harding, and I went to a show she did just before that album came out, and I think I had even been sent the album early and um, some files of it or whatever, and I had listened to it and thought, mm, not sure about that, but I'll go and see the show. And I went to the show, and I I just didn't believe it. I yeah. just thought, this is an act, and, and it's fine. Like, some yeah. music can be an act, right? Yeah. Like, but I just thought, this is, uh, this is completely insincere, and yet people are getting from it the opposite. They think this is... You know, I've been to fucking thousands of shows and I've listened to, like, loads of music and that doesn't mean I know more than people but I've experienced a lot yeah. of things that... And so, uh, yeah, jaded is a good description because it does come down to a seen-it-all-before kind of feeling sometimes. Right. It does. So I just sort of went But it like, didn't, didn't merit you explaining that? Well, sometimes you can't... I mean, I did it for my own website. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not... I wouldn't... I mean, I, if... if I was asked to do that for stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't be allowed to post the video clip of, yeah. you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. You wouldn't yeah. be allowed to. So that's, but I had nine years of writing anything from 400 words to 7,000 words every day about music, every day for nine years. And so I did my time explaining. Oh, little Simon who was writing down the track, <laughs> the, the top 20 would just be a pig in muck. I, I, I did my time explaining and over-explaining how I felt about music. Now I've got my own site that I make no money from, yeah. um, that I do because I want to. Yeah. Um, it's not really a big deal if I post a video clip or not. Like, the, you know, like that one, that one seemed to really resonate with people yeah. in a really negative way and I'm, I'm still talking about it a couple yeah. of years on. No, I'm just and, interested. No, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm happy to. Like, I mean, it's you know, I'm just saying it's it is an interesting thing. It's weird, you know, and uh, it's is it annoying that I've written about music for twenty years and I mostly answer questions about what I think of Lord Robbie Williams or Aldous Harding? Totally, <laughs> totally. You've just become like one of the artists you might interview, where your <laughs> yeah, life is reduced to, to like the three moments. Absolutely. You, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What life. was it like writing Satisfaction? <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's what. You know, when, when did you come up for the riff for Satisfaction? I mean, Keith Richards would hate having to answer that. Yeah. You know, but he, that would be 90% of his interviews. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, the You've eldest... been reduced to your three... Was it barbecue reggae? Yeah, true. Okay, yeah, you so, don't forget barbecue reggae. Right, yeah, yeah. How could you forget barbecue reggae? Yeah. That's a term I never even... Uh, I don't know who came up with that, but I did it. But I keep getting credited as coming up with it. There you go, take it. How, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, Fat Freddy's Drop... Slash Barbecue Reggae, Robbie Williams, Aldous Harding, and Lord. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, would it be, would it be cooler if or better if people said, oh, you turned me onto that band, The Next, that have been going for thirty years, uh, and I didn't know about them, and now they're my favourite band. Absolutely, that'd be real cool. But that, but that's not going to happen. 
Yeah, is it? It's always uh, the 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 inflammatory or kind yeah, of throwaway yeah, stuff. Yeah, because that that's, gets... that's an element of human psychology. We we're instantly drawn to 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 that stuff. We we seek out. I just don't have the. I I just I, I just couldn't back myself to do that. Mm. That's what I'm curious about. Is that you? Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of in the New Zealand music community. There is a lot of being nice Mm-mm. and being polite. I did that. I've yeah. done that. Yeah, I'm worked, sure you have. I, I, just, I wrote I'm, for New Zealand Musician for years. You, you I'm not saying you not didn't. A, no, I'm no, just no, saying no, no, what, what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I, I mean, in, in, in my research yeah. for a lot of um, things I have to do at RNZ, we have all our press clippings and things. And I've mm. read a few Simon vintage Simon Sweetman reviews yeah. from, you know, evening post days yeah. that are in yeah. there. And, and it's funny because, like you say, you're being remembered for these... Mm. Um, those particular mm. uh, pieces of writing or that, that commentary mm. that you've made, mm. and yet there's thousands of words oh, you've, got, you've written that that I got sick of saying to people like people would say, "How come your reviews are always negative?" And it's like, or your blog posts when I was doing yeah. the stuff blog, and it's like, like I write them and I've kept them all. And I don't sit around and reread them, but I, I wrote them. But the so negative I remember ones them, don't get the best traffic. And I understand the negative ones get the best traffic, but they're never planned that way. Mm. There was never a, oh, and you have to read all these things about yourself, like, oh, he gets paid more if he writes negative, which yeah. is uh, annoying when you're not getting paid at all, which yeah. was the case for a while. Yeah. Or he's paid by the click, or he's paid by the amount of comments. I guess the the thing I've always gone with is the powers and the knowledge. Like, I know... I know what's happening. Yeah. I know whether or not I'm being paid and how much, and I know that it's got nothing to do with any of this. And, and I know that I wanted to write this today because that's how I feel, not because someone gently nudged me in that direction said it'd be great if you could wind someone up. So if I know that, I don't really need to sit and... You drive yourself mad replying to every comment. Oh, like, this totally. Is, this is actually how it is. And I was, I was always a big believer in the, well, I've had my say, so the person writing the letter into the paper as it used to be and now yeah. writing the comment or now sharing it on Facebook with an angry rant, like it's yeah. morphed from those things, they're allowed to, ultimately. Like, of course they're allowed to. They've had that, I've had my say, they're having their say. Online culture yeah. now and the being tagged and things, that's a little frustrating because it's sort of like, when does, the, when does the conversation end? Like, I used to get a little bit annoyed with being, like, I, I guess it happened with that Aldous Harding thing. You get tagged in it. Yeah. You know, defend yourself, you know, at Simon Sweetman. Why did you say this? And it's like, I don't mind, but this is a a no-win situation. You know, I had a guy, uh, one of the guys from from that horrific band, Electric Wire Hustle, um, got angry at me because I wrote a positive piece in The Listener that I was commissioned to do. It was a roundup on Wellington music. Yeah. And he got really angry about... um, Something, some line about how they were part of the wider welly dub scene. Yeah. And he got really angry and tagged me in it and fuck you. And I was like, I didn't even write that. The editor added that because it's a giant, you know, I just wrote 300 words This is the other thing. This is the other thing. And, and, you know, that was a classic example of of halfway through doing it. I was like, why am I, why am I trying to explain this? Like, I know what happened. Yeah. Why should I? And so I got all these people going... 
you know, I've got this guy who's never, just because he's written music and, and been positively reviewed heaps, he seems to think he knows how magazines work. You know, like, oh, you expect me to believe that you didn't choose your own headline? Fuck, no writers choose their own headlines, you know? Like, that's not how it yeah, works. Yeah, it's like as soon as you put it yeah. in, 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 the, in the mix, it's, yeah, uh, it's up it's to... it's open to being pulled to bits and and reworked, and that's fine. That's part of the contract. But, yeah, so if you get... If you get but all of the stuff you're talking about in terms of, you know, I guess it's developing a thick skin or whatever, like, it's happened over a long time. Like, I... I wrote for a New Zealand musician for years and you basically had to always say something positive and I got to the point where I started sending them back CDs and just saying I can't write anything nice yeah. about this so do you want to send that to someone else and then I stopped it was just best to not write for them yeah. and then I went back to writing them for a while and they reckoned that they were a bit more the scene was a bit more robust and you know if you had constructive criticisms you could put them in and yeah. so I started doing a bit of that and actually had had Arsa Grace on the podcast very recently, and I don't know. Actually, I think we were talking off tape at the end, but I don't think she'll mind me sharing this. She was talking about reviewing and a concept that um, Adam McGrath had put to her, which you know from the Eastern, which I thought was a really good concept. Which was because um, he'd written music reviews, and he said, you know, if if Led Zeppelin Four, or you know, um, whatever, you know, Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde, if that's yeah. a five star album then how the fuck can This Is Acid Jazz 4 be a five-star album? It can't be anything other than one, like in the scheme of things. Yeah. And, I, you know, you can, you can argue around how trends and scenes change. And, yep. and a 20-year-old today doesn't need to give a fuck about Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde, but they also might. That might also be yeah. a big part of their world, and that's the cool thing, yeah. that either response is completely valid, yeah. correct? Like, yeah. they can either be a listener or a music maker that doesn't give a shit about that. So, you know, it, but... It's, it is a good point that if you have a scale, which yeah. is arbitrary as fuck, but if you have a scale and you're working towards that, yeah. not, e- not everything can be great. Because if everything's great, then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and no, I, and I think that's, that's pro- some version of that has always been in my head. Like, if, you know, if Lou Reed's Magic and Loss is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard, which it is, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, then, you know, Brendan and Alison Turner's brand new album doesn't really stand a chance compared to that. But does it stand a chance as its own thing? Maybe, let's find out. But, you know, all of yeah. the things... You can't help but be uh, influenced and inspired and 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 um, steered down a path by all of the things that you've experienced and listened to. Yeah. You can't help but... Which, in, in that case, then it means, say, let's say... 20-year-old you wrote your first review, mm. what you've got to say and what you've got to feel about it is going to be so different to 40-year-old you. Yeah, totally. And this is one of the genius things about Nick Bollinger, is mm-hmm. that he he's sort of timeless and ageless in his approach to music. Where mm. Mm. He's, he, he can be so open-minded. And I know his whole approach is, I just want this... For all the music that's out there, I just want to focus on the things that are good. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's and I'm down with that too. selective like, with his yeah, yeah. reviewing. It's like, why not share the things that are that, mm-hmm. that resonate with me? But I just he has such a great open mindedness about yeah, many, he, er, many different e- musical epochs. He does. I've talked to I know Nick well and I've talked to him a few times about yeah. this, including on this podcast. He yeah. he did used to be more critical of things. Mm. He did used to put the knife in a little bit and, yeah. and he he's made a decision yeah. 
several, you know, many years ago, he made a decision to not do that. And I, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that because to me, but, but I do, I do focus on more positive things more yeah. often. Absolutely. Yeah. And like when I wrote reviews for North and South yeah. for years, it was once a month. Well, and you're just doing six little capsule reviews. Why on earth would you pick something you didn't like and say, yeah. please avoid this like the play gets garbage? You would pick six things you thought were pretty cool yeah. on a range of. And I did that for years. I don't think I ever negatively reviewed a yeah. thing for North and South because there would be no point to well, it. Well, why is that not in the top hits about Simon Sweet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there it's you go. Positive North and South album reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, it was. I don't think people read North and South for, for cutting edge or any kind of edge music journalism. It was just a job, but I, that's still how I approached it. And now with off the tracks, I don't generally try and review an album and say it's garbage. But there are things like that. There are things you feel like you should respond to because yeah. they get it because they're big. You know, a big album like whether it's a brand new album by Jay-Z or Kanye or, yeah. you know, Beyonce or, you know, whatever. Those sorts of things, those are things you might write about and you might not like them as much as someone else. Yeah. Although I've got to the point with things like latest albums by all of those acts where I just don't even bother writing about them. What's no. The, what's the point? That I can't believe The Carters. I'm happy to go on the record for this. I can't <laughs> believe the album The Carters, which was the Beyonce, yeah. Yeah. Jay-Z album. Didn't it win a Grammy or no, a probably. or a um, a Brit Award or something? It was probably quite frankly bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Because I listened to that song, and I don't think I've ever heard it. It was like the only thing good about it was the music video. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, which has now apparently increased um, attendance, visitor attendance to the art gallery. I want to say the Louvre, but yeah, yeah. I think I might be wrong that it was that gallery that they did the video in, but that's that's the sort of cultural mark of, of that Well, don't you think, album. don't you think, and I mean, you listen to more, probably listen to more contemporary music than I do, I would say, and certainly professionally do, you do. Yeah, Kirsten says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out her for this, she says, I have the music taste of a 14-year-old boy. Which I'm totally happy to yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Someone has to. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you, you know, don't you does think... Does it have a place on RNZ? I don't know. <laughs> sure it does. Sure it does. But don't you think that um, a lot of music, pop music these days, really is, like, especially Grammys and things, don't you think they're actually just rewarding a good video? Like... Childish Gambino. I mean, that's, oh, not, that's, see, I, I, that's not really a very good song. I maintain that that song does not stand up without the video. Totally. That's a but, great video that arrived at the right time, right? Like, oh, it's, a a, of, it's a great piece of art. Yes, yeah, it needs... Yeah. It's a great it's piece a, of as art. A, as a whole thing, it obviously... It needs the music to speak to the video and vice versa, and so yeah. it's an installation yeah. piece. Yeah, 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 it's a it's a piece of art. Like whether I would have played "This Is America" as a standalone mm. song, probably not. So it wins a Grammy or whatever for Song of the Year. Is it Song of the Year? No, it's Video. Well, of I mean, the, year. the Grammys are problematic I, sure, in and of themselves, sure. and always have been. Um, and again, you know, I ask the question: How relevant in this time where? Um, uh oh. Hey, pups. Oh, pups got into my water. Oh. That's okay. You thirsty dog. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, oh, I used to do this thing. This reminds me of a thing which, you know, teenage pretentious me cannot, cannot mm. abide by it, is um, 
I used to always like to check whether albums I'd bought in my sort of tween age years yeah. were charting. Right. As some kind of <laughs> validation. Validation yeah. that I was. I was on the right track. Yeah, it's like, oh God. <laughs> Dark yeah. Side of the Moon is still number one. Yeah. <laughs> Decades later, yes. Where is our. Oh, great. REM's Automatic for the People is number one. Yes. <laughs> you know, now I'd be like, oh. Why is my favourite album number one? Have you had, do you have favourite albums that you really feel like it's a secret discovery? Like no one, obviously not no one, but almost no one knows about this and it's just a thing you like and maybe it's actually quite shit to a lot of people or... Oh yeah, I got lots of those. And you might revisit them down the track and not like them of course because, you know... Yeah tastes and times oh my change God, and like so forth. Veruca but, Salt. Yeah. I loved Veruca Salt. Yeah, but that's not a good example in that, like, loads of people liked Veruca Salt, you know. Oh, I'm you not, mean, like, more secret I, I just that. mean, like, not, 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 not guilty pleasure. Well, possibly could be, but just sort of, like... Bangles, know, a different light. I'm, I'm thinking, like, obscure stuff. Oh. Oh. Bangles, a different light. It's a great album. It's a great album. Just about fight anyone who I'm said try, it wasn't. I'm trying to shoehorn that back onto the radio somehow. Watch this space. Um, I'm thinking of things like uh, albums like there's a band, band in an album called Ghostland, mm-hmm. and I don't think people really know who who, who it is. I have to go back into my local but local album it's releases. Twenty years old, and it's Natasha Atlas and Sinead O'Connor. And if yeah. you told people it was that, they'd be all over it. But yeah. how the fuck would they find that? Right. And you listen to things like that. Oh, Some of my favourite albums are things I've bought for $2 in the chuckout, you know? Oh, I do have ones like that. But I've sort of, uh, because I guess of my day job, mm. I'm just churning. Mm. I don't want to say I'm churning through music because I don't churn through it. But you are, like, but, I understand what you're saying, yeah. But it is my job to seek I'm, out the new. Mm. So. I'm the same. When people say to me, "What's your fa- what are you listening to at the moment? What, or what's your favourite album right now? I, I can barely ever answer So, it. I've been in this sort of weird period of basically my my soda water music. You yeah, know, the palate yeah. cleanser for the last 18 months has been Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad mm-hmm. City. Okay, yeah, I'm like seven years too late to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is the album that still makes me feel mm. like I'm... 14 and it's speaking to me and a go. boy and a boy yeah and a boy with like cargo shorts and <laughs> yeah yeah big baggy t-shirt which yeah. I still wear a lot um yeah so you know that that's probably my secret little thing I do mm. is just listen to Ken you know Kendrick Lamar really loud in my own headphones so um this reminds me of an interview I just did the other the week with J-Rock who mm. is on Money Trees which is on that album and I said to him oh I was listening to your album Redemption which incidentally just sounds like he got all of Kendrick's cast off beats and just seems like they dialed it in. Shh. Um, and I said, where do you imagine people are listening to this music? Because it's, you know, this is top dog entertainment's mm. music. This is sort of like, not hardcore hip hop, but it's slightly mm. edgy mm. hip hop. Mm. And he's like, oh yeah, people listen to it when they're working out, uh, you know, when they're in their car. And I said to him, could you imagine a mum of two listening to it on the headphones while play- cleaning Playmobil in the bathroom? Because mm. 
this is the situation that your music is being consumed in. Mm. It's not the world that I'm listening to, you know, like Good Kid Mad City. It's I don't know if you've got much of a taste in, in hip-hop, but to me it is one of the standout albums of telling this wonderful sort of, you know, the cinema narrative that you can get in an album. Here's something funny and very probably Wellington of... 15 years ago, but I was the Dominion Post's hip-hop specialist. They yeah. chose a white guy yeah. in his 30s, which is about right for a newspaper yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I was really into hip-hop, and I've got to admit, I'm really a bit of a fair-weather fan these days. It's yeah. just too hard to keep up. Yeah, and, yeah, it is. And I, you know, if someone asked me what my last all-time favourite hip-hop album is, I'd probably say, like, Dr. Dre's 2001 or something like that. Like, yeah, I'm but so, that's, yeah. it's Obviously, that's a classic, and... Um, but that's my, you know, that's very old. Like that's where yeah. I'm sort of at. I mean, Kendrick Lamar is someone who I have heard, and obviously everyone raves about, and I can't rave about because I haven't heard enough. I, I really haven't listened to the kid, stuff enough. Good Kid, Mad City is yeah. really good. Oh, I like everything in, I've heard. I got into point. that. I got into that damn album. I got. I yeah. liked. I, I've liked everything I've heard. Yeah. But I couldn't speak to it about any of it with any authority at all right. I just don't feel and I haven't had to so that's good yeah, yeah. you know I would I would um, not be able to and I was thinking about him the other day and how I was walking somewhere and I was listening to something and I was thinking basically yeah I still kind of need to get into Kendrick Lamar yeah when I say oh, I, I don't came to, I came to it later yeah 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 well. well just you saying that before was making me think about it it's like and I like that though <laughs> I love isn't that great about music that it, the good stuff is there for Forever, forever for you to find and whenever. there's so much, you know, I don't say it out loud, but I will say it out loud on your podcast. I don't have the greatest back catalogue of mm. musical knowledge. Like, there's so many albums I'm yet to, mm. you know, listen to. Like, have I listened to all of Patti Smith's back catalogue properly? No. Don't really need to. But, but it's... But she's great, but, but you don't... But, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, do, I am, I am a Bob Dylan ignoramus. You know, yeah. like I don't really, you know, I should, mm. but I don't. Um, but I've gone back to blues, like I can, mm-hmm. you know, like there's blues artists I like. I mean, the, and, thing, the thing with this You know, stuff I can listen is... to Lead Belly over and over and over again. But for some reason, Bob Dylan doesn't speak to me. Mm. And I mm. can't, I know he's important. I know, not intellectually I know should like it, but, and I know he speaks to people and I know he's important in the musical story. But his music doesn't speak to me, or it doesn't speak to me yet. Mm, mm. And that's what I yeah, love still, about music. Exactly, it's, it's like still I there. You know, like, who did I get into? You know, like, stacks. Like, when I went down my whole, mm. like, soul funk hole. Mm. You know, it was like, this was music that was made at that time 30 or 40 years ago. And mm. I'm just losing my mind over the freshness of it. So I know there and you've be- just And you've just, no doubt, scratched the surface of that. Exactly. Because most people that... I feel the same way, I'm including myself in that. Most people that talk with any level of interest in funk and soul music, it's bigger than any of us could ever get our way through. Like, we're just scratching the surface yeah. of it and finding amazing things. And, you know, it's like, I love craft work, but I haven't, mm. you know, I haven't entirely, completely, perfectly joined the dots to its influence on hip-hop. I'm just about finished doing this fucking music nerdy experiment which you might be into since you like music nerd experiments I've read I've read the thousand and one albums you must mm-hmm. I've read the whole thing and I went through with a pencil and ticked every 
thing I'd already heard. Yeah. I did that a while ago. And then I thought, I'm actually going to listen to all the albums I haven't heard. Cause I, yeah? I, people and how always, was it? And I'm nearly finished. I've got about five to go. I yeah. thought I, I sort of guessed that I probably, I'd probably heard seven or eight hundred. Yeah. And I've, I've probably heard just a little bit more than that. I think it's about 150 or 60 that I hadn't heard. Do you know what? I reckon there's been about three or four duds and that's it. So in the last year, I've heard 140 albums that I had never heard before. And most of them are really fucking good. And I would have never bothered with them. And there's still people putting out albums totally, to this day. Totally. It just absolutely blows my mind that. But I found I found a dozen like I'm talking like a dozen albums in there that I'm like fuck how had I never heard this this is actually yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so that's a good amount like that's a huge amount like a dozen albums to get your head around and go back to and back to and fall in love with that's that's a good. So I just discovered Leon Russell because he oh, yeah. died. Yeah. You know, it's like, what yeah. kind of rock have I been under? So yeah. then the last record, mostly because it was the closest to the turntable, mm. that's been getting a, a bit of a, a spin. Mm. Yeah. And then Actually, you, I, mean, I tell you one album I always, there are two albums I often always go back to. Um, and it's the, and I've said this before, it's the only album I own on three formats mm. is uh, Massive Attack's Blue Lines. And there's this uh, record that I somehow snaffled off Sam Scott. He didn't mean to sell it, but I bought it off him. Um, is uh, one of my all-time favourite reggae compilations is um, Darker Than Blue. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is one yeah. that I can just listen to over mm. and over and over again. Yeah, they're both, I mean, they're both like kind of perfect records, aren't they? Those oh, yeah. Two, you know, they're absolutely perfect. And, you know, like, we go back to that musical nerding thing. You know, I sit there at RNZ and I go, I am not qualified to do this job. Like, why am I here? Like, you have the best qualification out. You you have the best two qualifications out for that job. You care about music and you can speak. Okay. Thanks. So, um, you know, I don't think you need that reassurance. But if you ever do, those are the two qualifications for that job, surely. When you boil it down. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's a few more other things, but yeah, yeah. sometimes I catch myself <laughs> in our floor when we'll all be passionately arguing about what makes a perfect album mm. and what fulfills that criteria. There is nowhere else in that building mm. where that conversation is taking place with encyclopedic, yeah. passionate arguments. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so I often pinch myself and go, maybe, I, you know, this is maybe the place I'm meant to be. Mm. Where mm. we'll sit there for well, a, yeah. Let's go back to RNZ and Music One Hundred and One. I want to like because you, we, you derailed this by asking me about my reviews, which is a silly <laughs> thing to do because I won't shut up about it. Um, so let's <laughs> let's go back to Music One Hundred and One. You make the student radio, yeah, doco, yeah, that you now know you reckon you could do a better job of. It's pretty well received though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, it was just a really important story yeah, I heard exactly. about that needed yeah. to be told. But what's the feedback you get from listeners or people at RNZ? This is a hit. Well done. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing about RNZ <laughs> is that... Uh, you get feedback when you fuck up, not when you nail it. A, a, a little, well, I, I looked at the feedback in terms of um, they asked me to keep 
doing yeah. making little radio packets? Can you make, something else? Can you make yeah, something else? Yeah. Can you make something so else? So that's the good feedback. And I was kind of like, these crazy fools don't know. Like, I totally don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but for some reason, they just keep getting me to make stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, lots of people have come and gone in that role of mm. making stuff, but somehow I just didn't give the swipe card back. Mm. And here I am. I know that doesn't really answer the question, it but it sort question, of really but does. But it sort of does. Yeah. But you get to a point. I just said of, yes to everything. Yeah. So, well, that that probably answers my next question. I was going to say you get to a point where you do things like you obviously fill in on Music One Hundred and One and host and co-host and you know yeah. and rah rah rah, and then you are um, on on TV. Covering the musical awards, oh God. which is oh, no. a radio, which is on RNZ, obviously, <laughs> but you're also on TV. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> is that a case of just saying yes and then no. wishing you hadn't? No, that was a. Do you know that you're doing this now? Right. I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> sure. I don't think I could go back and ever watch it. And then that was that right. great moment when the 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 lovely, amazing, dearest Dave Dobbin tells me that he was just basically on meth for half the like early silver scroll ceremonies yeah. of the 80s and I think there's this moment where I'm just like okay great <laughs> that what do I do <laughs> yeah no I think you know those times where you just do you just jump off the mm. the top diving board and free fall maybe yep. you land maybe you belly flop <laughs> maybe all the water goes up your nose just for the record, they've never asked me back to do one of those things. <laughs> so you don't know that, that went... So I thought you did, Everyone fi- was, I thought you did fine. Well, thank you. Every, a lot of people yeah. did come up to me and they're like, yeah. you did really well. Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. But I think we've never done it before. I don't know if they'd ever asked me back. I don't... Yeah. You know. Pretty you freaky. Just, yeah, I think I must have gone into some sort of out-of-body experience mm. in it. That's my own dress too, by the way. <laughs> something out of my own wardrobe because you know we don't have a budget for that kind of thing RNZ <coughs> yeah um, and so now you're hosting Music 101 this year at the moment and I don't need to frock up as much as that time yes no and you're just doing radio <laughs> yeah yeah you're not um, and what's the, I mean you've you've had a history with the show and you've as I say you've stepped in and been involved but what's it like doing it week to week uh it's really fun. Yeah. I feel so lucky I can do that. Um, and also a little bit of that thing of, I can't believe people are letting me do this. Yeah, it's it's such a privilege to do it. You know, like many RNZ people, like lifelong fan, since mm. Dad decreed we were changing the radio station, mm. um, to being able to do that. And so I hope, I hope it's a show that, it's the kind of show I would like to listen to, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess that's the sort of show you're trying to make, right? Something that, that's, that's kind of always yeah. been the tone of it, is the people making it are fans of it. They are trying to put across something that they yeah. might be interested in. And to me, music is but a lens we tell stories by. What is the greatest thing about radio? Be it RNZ, be it any other station you listen to, or any time you listen to podcasts, or what is the thing that humans have always done. We tell stories. Mm. We listen to stories. That's what we're geared to do. That includes music. Again, such a deeply human thing. 
you know, from when we were in the caves to now. Telling stories and music are such two deeply human things. It's such a privilege to be able to to do that. And with Music 101, if you can tell any story through music. It opens another way. You know, before we came and talked about this, we were talking about music therapy, of mm. how music engages parts of your brain that enable you to do things that your body hasn't quite figured out to mm. do, you know, for children with developmental delay or mm. people with Alzheimer's or dementia. It's like there's... The whatever... We are more than the sum of our parts and with music and stories and voice. And the music as a... Outside of music therapy, music is is performing that task for all of us. Sometimes, yes. sometimes we don't know it. Sometimes yeah. we totally know it. We'd go into a. I come into this room sometimes and pour myself a whiskey and pick a favorite record to sit and listen yeah. to. It doesn't happen. What a dead thing to do. Totally, Simon. and it does. I was just going to say it doesn't actually happen that often. Mike, yeah. I wish it. In some ways, I wish it could happen more, but it. It's a it's a way of sort of escaping for for a brief moment for twenty minutes until you have to turn the record over or whatever. Um, I pick favorite music to listen to at particular times. Yeah. And then when I listen to something I haven't listened to in ages, or I listen to it through a different lens, if you like, a different filter, I hear it in a different way. You know, and I'm talking about experiences probably loads of music listeners have with their record collections. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, you know, when we're, mm. we're, um, when we're discussing times of going to seminal concerts mm. in our lives, I'd sort of approach it with this weird pilgrimage military operation mindset where it's like, you know, whereas my peers at the time, like teenagers, would be like, yeah, it's a chance to take acid and get totally wasted off my face. Mm. And then I'd be like, no, how could you do that? You will miss out on the music. You will, like, ruin the experience. I need to be here to totally. soak it all Yeah, I was like in. that too. I was like that too. That's so It was dork. years before so I... So dorky. Yeah, it was years before I'd even think Guys, about having a beer at a concert. Like, I wanted to be... Sober, remember it all, um, up, right up front, yeah. and then you get. You know, I've been waiting since I was yeah. four years old to be here. Yeah, you didn't know? think I'd ever see this. You yeah, know? yeah. Why? My, my, I've sort of mentioned this a few times, but um, you mentioned Craftwork before. My, one of my absolute favourite gig experiences ever was seeing Craftwork twice in one night in Sydney. And the first time I was sitting next to Sylvie Simmons, who I had scored a free ticket for, and we were sitting we were sitting together at the show and just before it started she said to me, I might just take some notes if that's alright, I hope you don't mind. And I was like, this is perfect. Like I've been reading Mojo for years and you know, I've met Sylvie a couple of times and but that just made my experience you know, it was just a weird I was thinking, I don't know if anyone will ever get um, quite how much that was the coolest thing that could happen yeah. to me in that moment. Yeah. I'm seeing like the one of the ultimate record ne- um, collector nerd bands with one of my all-time favourite music writers and she's asking me if it's okay if she takes notes and I'm like, and she's like, I might not review this but you never know so I'll just take some notes and I'm like, can I watch you take notes? Yeah, you know, it, was all, like, it, it, could have almost, it could have almost got creepy, you know, it was all amazing. Of, all of all the dreams you could ever have. <laughs> what a weird, stupid, specific dream to have, and there it was, you know? Isn't well, that amazing? Well, you know, the, 
and that's the other crazy thing about this job, right? Um, I just, you just do what you do. I just do what I do. I just mm. talk mm. into a microphone about music. Um, I just ask people questions about their life. How do you go with interviewing people? I mean, the, the interviews I've heard you do go well, but I recognise that most radio interviews um, are edited, mm -hmm. so you can fix the awkward bits or whatever, unless you oh, feel all the like bits are mine. Unless you feel like you want those to to be part of it. Um, what I'm wondering is, is do you enjoy doing it, and has it always been enjoyable? And you know, how freaky is it? Have you had some horror? situations uh the horrible situations don't go on air no. i think the worst that ever happens is they're just flat and you haven't made a mm -hmm. connection mm. with the person um one of my favorite interviews is with um matt berninger from the national and mm. he was he's such he's such an easy person to interview he's a very very generous interviewee um but we just went completely off topic and had this hilarious conversation of when he realised that he's playing King Kunta to his six-year-old daughter mm. and you know that, that's got lots of N words and MF words mm. and B words and he's like god what am I, what am I doing um, and you know he's just like um, he, he's on those so a lot of the interviews that you hear with international artists if they are on phone lines is on the what do I call it I like to call it the the, the roundabout the round the telephone roundabout yes, you know yes, your so number part of the queue. your yeah. number eight in this like horrific never-ending repetitive co phone conversation yes. of journalists from god knows wherever the place that this poor person is sitting and having to and entertain. they're just answering the same question and you're gonna get cut off yeah so you might be having the greatest interview but you got 15 you have, minutes you to have, shoehorn everything and you, you get a to. voice that comes in and says this is the last question, yeah. or you have two minutes, yeah. or I'm sorry, we have to finish now, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, or it just yeah. gets cut off when you're just yeah. like, ah, ah, yeah. but... And I don't know, I, I guess because I'm not a trained interviewer, my interviews are just, I just wanted, I have some questions to ask you, and I want you to really like me. Mm. Even though sometimes I try and ask hard or weird questions, or tell people I listen to their music while playing, like cleaning my children's toys. Um, yeah, I don't know. That didn't answer your question at all. Um, I think the hardest thing about interviews is when you don't do them face-to-face. -face. Mm. There's so much that can be, um, and, you know, again, that's the talent of the, the proper broadcasters on my station who can overcome that. But I still find that really hard. You know, like, why, why does anyone... Oh, no, this is the thing. Um, you know there's that funny concept... Um, I think it might have been um, in Zoolander of, you know, they didn't want their photos taken because they didn't want their, stoles to be, mm. their souls to be stolen. Mm. I f always feel in an interview that I'm taking something from someone that they don't necessarily need to give me. Of course they're there to promote their tour. Of course they're there to promote their record. You know, it's kind of the, the evil compact that mm. you're in about mm. the nature of the industry. Have but I always feel like you don't you don't owe me anything. I'm taking something from you. Have you ever read Chuck Klosterman's essay about interviews? No. I'll find it and send it to you. It's good. He he unpacks all of all of what you've just been talking about really well. He he explains that it's an artificial construct and 
even the best interview where you think you've really touched on something with someone, you've made a connection, you know, arguably it's false. My, my current strike rate for 101 is making someone cry on every 101 I've hosted for the last Hang on. while. Including myself now. In what, uh, in what sort of context making them cry? Happy tears, very sad tears because of something tragic or frustrated. All of the, oh, oh, maybe all of the above. <laughs> mostly, um, mostly tragic. Yeah. Uh, no, not not mostly. Well, you know, when they're talking mm. about something tragic in in their lives, um, other times when they're just so nervous, um, and other times when you have to get on the radio after the most insane, horrible, and I'm not gonna say unimaginable, um, the most horrible, insane thing in our recent history mm. takes place. I'm just gonna ask here. you about this. You host Music 101 which broadcasts on Saturday afternoons so a couple of weeks ago you had to host Music 101 on the Saturday after the Friday that you just referred to that the Christchurch terrorist attack the Christchurch terrorist attack that many of us that were lucky enough to obviously be wherever we were which was nowhere near there were glued to some form of RNZ news TV1 news online stuff whatever uh, for most of Friday and on Saturday the decision happens or whatever that Music 101 is RNZ's flagship music show so you're just going to go ahead and do Music 101 I was off to a wedding that day so I didn't catch all of it but I did listen to some of it and I thought it was a, a bold and interesting move but you were one of the people that had to actually do it yeah um, it was our team it was total total teamwork and mm. You know, it's uh, so you know Friday is always a busy day mm. for for music one hundred and one because you're getting the show ready, and then this and I just accompanied my children to a, the climate change march that they wanted That's to right. go yeah. to, so that was quite a headspin in and of mm. itself. Also, being uh, a, an activist back in the day of walking down that path to Parliament was mm. also very. Um, uh, you know, that brought up a lot of feelings and mm. and it was those times where your your life goes in future, past, present kind of jumble. Um, hearing these young people speak as well on that day was incredibly moving as well. Uh, so I was just trying to get my head together back for that and I come back into work and we've heard that um, the massacre had occurred. Well, you know, you, you mm. were hearing the rolling events of yes. it. So then it's like right what do we what is the show gonna look like and our team just went through every single song we were gonna play every interview for anything that would be inappropriate for mm. the tone and the mood even mm. though the, the those things were evolving as well mm -hmm. it was also about Music 101 is a little bit of a strange island in amongst RNZ Nationals content mm. as well. Mm. You know, it's this weird outpost of new music and stories, multiple voices in a show. Mm. You, know, you know, they aren't just mm. the guests, but the, mm. the people who are bringing you these stories. There's so many voices in that Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon is everyone's busy time as well. It's a funny time of day. Also, you know, we've all had, we've all had our mornings with Kim Hill, which... Mm. 
which everyone tunes into and then along we come with the, the, the naughty kids from the back of the classroom. So it was also with that knowledge of going, okay, how do we bridge it when there's going to be rolling news? And it's a different headspace to, that was such a different headspace to get into of, you know, not, not in this sort of, not in a self-absorbed way of people are going to listen, but it's people are listening for a different reason and they're going to be listening more closely. Mm. How, how are they, how do you hold this space when their mind is elsewhere, but they're still tuned into the radio? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And all of those things you were saying about combing through it to make sure everything's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, your listeners are basically listening with that ear too. They're yeah. going... Why, what strange meaning could that song possibly have? Yeah. Why has that song been chosen? Yeah. And so you're... Yeah, like I had an interview with this um, young artist, Chai. Mm. She's a Muslim New Zealander, was born in Iran, came over here when she was young. And I was like, I can't play this interview because it's not fair on her because this thing has taken... The, the, the events in Christchurch have mm-hmm. taken place... How would an interview the next day not be referring to that? So it's mm. like, yoink, that's mm. gone. Oh, this interview, it's too frivolous and frothy. That can't, mm. that can't work. Oh, the new Anderson Pack song, really, really topical. But there's a mention of children being shot. No way are we playing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also, how do you come in and introduce a music show? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then also it was evolving at that time that because Kim Hill had to cancel her broadcast mm. so um, mercifully I had Kim Hill bridging parts of it so it's like whenever in your whole entire life like sitting next to you know your favourite music reviewer watching Craft mm. it's like okay I'm sort of Kim Hill's on my show okay right um, on we go so I wrote a little note to what I wanted to open the show with because again you don't want to be it's not a time to pontificate and try and overplay the fact you're on RNZ. It's like, mm. I'm not an authoritative news voice. That's not mm. That's not what I do, but I still have to acknowledge it somehow. And so I wrote a little thing out of what I was going to say, and then I read it out to one of my colleagues. of like, is this too cheesy? Like, this is how mm. I feel. Mm. Is this okay? You know, because the difference between things you write... Mm-hmm down on a piece of paper really different to how you're going to say them and how that's going to sound in someone's car or on their yeah. radio or yeah. they're listening to you know I get through maybe three sentences and it's a bit like okay okay and then by the end of it both he and I were just bawling our eyes out and just going okay we can, we can do this and I think in that show and I hope it came across was I and this is this is funny to be talking to you about it too was um, we opened the show with Marlon Williams' Arahura. He's from Christchurch. It's a song about the landscape of the South Island. Like if there was ever a voice to carry you at that mm-hmm. time, it's going to mm-hmm. be him. Um, so I play that. We play um, Maratike um, chanting a mōtiatia, the māwaira. It's like a dirge. It's perfect to end that hour. We play Stevie Wonder. We play Horace Andy. There is music for, we've talked about this, Mm. there are music for certain times and certain emotions and it's the thing that helps us process 
the feelings we can't put into words. And all I had to do was just be mm. the servant of that because the music will do the work for us. Of course, how could we not play Cat Stevens? Mm. Um, yeah. And then we close the show with Hope. Like, I know you're not the biggest fan of Fat Freddy's, and we've heard that song time and time again. Certain songs for certain moments, right? And listening to Dallas's words at that time, yep. you know, of the role of music, you know, in hearing that, I was like, this is why we do what we do. What's the, yeah, yeah. What's the band I that's really easy to hate? Coldplay. Really yeah. easy for a lot of people to hate. Probably the closest I've been to, well, in fact, I was in tears at a concert, was Coldplay's Fix You, performed by that young at heart choir, you know, the super oldies that yeah. tour the world. I mean, I couldn't think of a more perfect song. And yes, it's, it's, it's almost too much, but I'd interviewed the director of the choir, watched the documentary. We were there, I think we were at that concert um, maybe a couple of days after my wife's grandparents had died within hours of each other you know it's like everything's lined up and it's perfect you know and there you go. it's do on it. the record Simon Sweetman <laughs> cried yeah. to Coldplay's Fix oh. You at a choral performance of I've, it I've, I've cried at loads of concerts usually because I can't find the exit quick enough <laughs> you know but uh, so no I don't mind admitting that but my point is it didn't make me come, come home and play the original Fix You by Coldplay or think anything more or less of it beyond that simple fact that the right song at the right moment is exactly one of these things we were talking about of music as therapy yeah I played um, I post my as lots of people do, I post just random YouTube clips of songs I'm either listening to or thinking about on my Facebook page, and I posted Stevie Wonder's Love's In Need Of Love Today. Yeah, we and played I, that. When you said that's Stevie Wonder, I thought, I bet I know what song. Now, I posted that on Friday, just after I got home, and I hadn't heard the news. I just thought, what a great song, I'm going to post that. And then I watched the news. And so I had people responding, going, sharing it, and going, what a perfect song to, to play. You know, it's like the only song sort of go but I was actually just thinking about what a great song from one of my favourite albums that is and then it takes on this whole other meaning and this is when being a music nerd is, yeah. is really useful when you can yeah. sort of dial up yeah what is appropriate yeah you understand how something is going to translate like yeah, yeah what's appropriate yeah. and what's not appropriate which is you know I guess the art of a DJ I'm not saying I'm a DJ but that's the well, art of a DJ in real time yeah 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 and, like, you, and there is a function of I mean you, you are a DJ on that show like there is a function of not, not only a radio DJ but there's a function of DJ you are picking music for a range of people and a range of moods and you are trying to tell a story mm. So in that sense, it's 100% DJ. And I think, I think it was really good. It wasn't my decision, certainly. I mean, mm. of course not. I'm not trying to imply that mm. I take credit for it. But I think it was a really, really um, good decision of RNZ's to continue with a music show at that time. Because it just, I like, I'd like to think that it gave people time and space to just make sense yeah. or pro begin well, by that, to process by that time there'd been roughly 24 hours of news yeah not you know non and we still jump back exactly. into the news yeah yeah, but yeah. It's you're like, not saying it didn't happen you're giving a little reprieve 
Like yeah. here's a here's another way of processing this, or here's something else to take your maybe take your mind off it, or whatever, for some moments. Yeah, yeah. or feel feelings rather yes. than have it sitting in your head spinning around. And yes, facts of it. Yeah, just pro- to feel process some of what you've been told yeah. in terms of information by hearing some other things and making some associations. And also the point I did I that was really important to me was to say well, let's celebrate when people put the energy into good things. Mm-hmm. That people can use travel, that people can use social media, that people can use video to still have an effect over mm-hmm. lots of people but it can be a positive one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, my my friend was due to speak at a poetry reading that on the Sunday and she messaged and said, oh, I don't know if we're going to go ahead and do it. And I said, that's totally understandable. But if you do do it, you are creating a, a, a platform for people to address their response to Christchurch if they want to. And you are also creating an environment for people to step outside of the barrage of news yeah and be somewhere else and connect with humans yeah and possibly be entertained um although you know yeah it's, it's dubious as to whether people actually wanted to feel entertained but maybe they did yeah and I so they're really funny about yeah. being at home growing yeah. this weekend I bet. for that for that exact reason yeah your review of it was good oh thanks wasn't it yeah. Is it 10 minutes, 400 words? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Yep. You yep. nailed totally. it. Totally. You nailed it. No, it was good. You got, I mean, fuck, it, it, it made me think how pleased I was I no longer go to home ground and review, but I thought you did a good job of focusing on obviously things you liked about it and things you saw and putting across some of the mood of it. Yeah. What was weird about being there? It was weird, as I, and I didn't know how to write this because I can't write 400 words in 10 minutes. You know, I wish mm. I could. Yeah, I think I, it took me about three and a half hours to write that mm. review because I'm just was so a thoughtful painfully pace. slow. That no, was a thoughtful pace. But I couldn't convey the fact that at times I felt like people had just forgotten and maybe they're allowed to forget mm. because they're not in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't reconcile all those feelings of being there. Of like, It's like it never happened. It's mm. like you've all got on to party and forgotten maybe you need to forget maybe it's not the job of homegrown to do that mm-hmm. why am i even here i just want to be home with my kids oh if i want to be home with my kids why am i at this festival oh, i'm here for work would i come here if i wasn't so just all those things were going totally. on in my head and at the same time when i was watching everyone sing welcome home which was i don't know if i was expected to, to be more moved and it was certainly moving and galvanizing mm. i couldn't help but think most of to most we're all affected by it but you will never be directly affected by that because this is this whole act of terror wasn't directed at you Mm -hmm. so i don't know what i don't know what this actually means like Mm. yes there was unity yes this is an us Mm. coming together and yes it was powerful and of course at those times we need the songs of Dave Dobbin that is essentially in our DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're you all know, alternate New Zealand national anthems. You know that there are people born to these songs. Like, mm-hmm. as my husband said, he was here before me. He was here 
when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, he is still here. You know, in that sense of, aren't mm. we lucky? I can't mm. believe these songs are just so in me. And he's not a rock music fan at all. Mm. But that was a beautiful thing to witness. And also, again, here I am watching one person who, through his life, has used the power of his ability to write and play a guitar to infect the world with good. You know? And we're here because one person chose hate. Those mm. little funny weird mm. butterfly effect thoughts were all going through my head. And it's like, I can't write this in the time I have. But at the same time, I sort of felt that while we, we can be sympathetic, this was an act of racism. It was a political act. And most of the people in that crowd who were singing along to Dave Dobbin aren't the people that would be targeted. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to, I just could not reconcile those thoughts in the time I needed to turn around something in a deadline. That's, don't you think that's fine though? In that it's not really a time for a complete clarity of thought. Oh yeah, I never thought of that. It's like, it's okay to be, you know, it's like when you were saying about, you know, feeling very emotional during the, the broadcast that you did the day after. It's like some of the compelling stories that have come out since in terms of our, our broadcast coverage have been seeing and hearing about presenters and journalists breaking down, struggling to properly... I On the Friday night watching it, I said sort of semi-jokingly, and then I had to, just to my wife, but then I had to clarify because I didn't mean it as a criticism, as anything negative... But when they had a split screen and they had Hillary Barry on one side and, and John Campbell on the other, and she was asking him questions about being in Christchurch and the mood, I said, it's almost like they're having an empathy off. And then I was like, that's fantastic, by the way. You know, you know, we were talking before about broadcasters that are a safe pair of hands. I mean, here were two, you know, they are like kind of the journalistic equivalent of Dave Dobbin and his songs, right? Yes. You know, they are these people that we trust yeah. and we think they do an excellent job of translating trans our emotions yeah, yeah, into yeah. something and, for and simplifying and clarifying stuff enough without trivialising it yeah and so it's okay as part of that to watch people struggle with one of the things I thought was, was really beautiful in the early coverage was Simon Dallow who would have just turned up for his regular six o'clock news yeah. and then just been shoved on at four o'clock, right, you're on now. Yeah. And so he was very much reading on the fly and, and he yeah. said something, and I can't, I, I can't actually remember the words, but he said something and he realised that it was exactly what you were talking about when you comb through your broadcast to make sure you're not... So he used a word that was probably offensive or triggering or something to someone and he had wanted to use it in a colloquial way. And realised as he said it, and he said, oh, I'm really sorry for saying that. That's entirely a poor choice of words for right now. It was just very amazing the way he did it, just quickly, like, it was just a very real reaction to the situation. Yeah. Like, and so it's okay, to, you know, we're not, we shouldn't expect our, even our professional broadcasters and writers to be able to sum this up in a neat little <laughs> box yeah. without feeling something, without stumbling, because... It's never happened before. Yeah. So to, to, you know, to us in this way. Yeah. And, you know, 
I would hate hate for it. I guess part of sort of watching Homegrown was that like, has this just stirred up some kind of deep nationalism? Mm. You know, and then 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 the audience wants Dave and the his band and special guests uh, had left the stage. Then people just started singing the national anthem, mm. and I couldn't. I couldn't figure out my feelings about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like I only it's sing. You only sing the national anthem at rugby and at school. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. why are you singing it at a concert? It's like I can understand why. Then I was like, how drunk are you? And what does this mean? And then I was like, I'm thinking too much. I'm mm. just going to go to Luke's <laughs> birthday party now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. I, I I thought you did a really good job of conveying it anyway and prompt. Oh, thank you. you. It was good. I mean, should I have stuck a like goat video at the end of it? Could have. Yeah, could have. When I reviewed Homegrown one year, I think it was the last time I reviewed Homegrown, I wrote about the dance music tent in one sentence. I said, I visited the dance music tent and it sounded like someone had left a lawnmower running in a puddle of water. <laughs> and that was a. <laughs> so that's, that's the qu- equivalent of the goat video. <laughs> But then at the same time, it's like, isn't it awesome all these people come to see local artists? Yeah, it is, but uh, yes, it is. Like, yep. there's that, mm. and I never want to take that away. But at the same time, I think it's it's not for me. Mm. Mm. Like, it was great to see some artists, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I was like, I think I've walked about 10Ks. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's and I still have to go home and write about this in it, some coherent way. It's, it's probably a weird conversation to bring up on the back of what we've just been talking about, but it is one of the recurring themes of my life, I suppose, given what I've ended up doing. Is just because something brings a whole lot of people together or brings them joy or whatever, it does because if it's a an event that's deserving of coverage it doesn't mean you have to say it's good purely for doing that like nothing's above but i don't know what it is yeah but i don't know what my exact criticism is yeah so i don't feel valid to say it because i can't convey it in a really coherent and constructive way yeah that's then you arrived at the right way to deal with it yeah by you know it's fine you know and to go back to that thing of, of saying, you know, where did you get the confidence to basically shit on things or, you know, feel confident saying what you're saying? It's just, it's a case-by-case basis, you know? Like, sometimes you don't feel confident doing that. Like, and now I'll walk out of shows that, and of course I've got the freedom now of it not being an assignment, so I'll walk out of shows and actually have to remind myself I don't have to say anything about that. That's, and that's actually really good. Oh, my new test is, would I rather be at home watching yeah. a movie with my kids? Yeah. Tucked up in bed with them. And and I bet that wins a lot. It's. I bet that wins out a lot. Like that idea of you would rather be there. At home. Yeah. With, I, yeah. I bet that wins. That's, that's a high bar honest. to cross that. It is. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. Which is, is that fair? I don't know. Should it be someone young, you know, should it be someone greener and more keen doing this possibly well, possibly but then i've been but reading... i mean something's really good i can still get excited about it yes and that's you know but the thing is you also like 
you're, you're doing your due diligence on something, like you're actually researching it or experiencing it and contextualising it. So I'm all for younger people writing reviews. I was a younger person when I started writing reviews, but people are writing things now like, I read a review on stuff the other day of Brian Ferry where the person talked about Googling Brian Ferry in the Uber on the way to the concert. And it's like... Don't write... Like, you, don't you can have, do you that. Can do but that, but, but don't... Exactly. You, I mean, you, uh, ideally, you probably shouldn't be on your way to... You know, they should send someone to Brian Ferry that's heard of him. But if they want the review to mean anything. But we all do our last-minute research, so you don't need to show your inner workings. Yeah. You can just actually, like... Yeah. It's not like maths. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. maths. You don't Long have to division. show your working. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to show your working. Oh, the other thing also is... Like being music nerds, mm. and you know, you would have of your favorite bands, you would have devoured every piece of information. Mm-hmm. You know, how did I first discover the internet? It was thanks to Pearl Jam, you know, <laughs> that I had to like jump on a bulletin board yeah. and message some other like <laughs> grunge dorks at some other high school and yeah. then downloaded all the tablature to, mm. to 10 in ASCII format, you know? <laughs> like, you can't get more musically nerdy than that. You know, and again, music nerdism is a gateway to other skills. Mm. I'll come back to that point because it just mm. reminded me of something else I thought of. So don't just talk me about, like, mm. music nerdery being a gateway. Um, in, that, in that devouring any piece of information you can about your favourite band or your favourite recording style of something or how they made you know, the gated drum or how Mm. someone, was it Annie Lennox practiced singing by pitching her voice to the same sound as the airplanes that were flying overhead of her home. Again, that's Mm. a really musically nerdy thing Mm. to remember. Mm. Just like I always remember, Michael Stipe sat there eating a whole bowl of cherries listening to (laughs) Patti Smith's horses as Mm. though he'd never heard anything ever before in his life that was so moving. Like, why I can think of a cold bowl of refrigerated cherries and that it literally blew his shit away hearing Patti Smith for the first time, like, that stuck in my head. And if it wasn't thanks to music journalists mm. who told me those stories, mm-hmm. I'd never know those things, the little artifacts yeah. and things that you collect. And so in my work as an interviewer or someone trying to write about music, I hope that even if you do love someone, you learn something about them so you can take that little thing away in the same way people have written and interviewed and given me things to learn about people and music I love. I was going to say... Yeah, you know, and then that Googling Brian yeah. Ferry, I'm not going to get that out of the review, yeah, yeah. but even as someone who doesn't know about yeah. Brian Ferry, please go find out something so I can learn yeah, about yeah. him, even if I am... His biggest fan. Mm, mm. Now, I was just going to say, going back to Dave Dobbin, when you're talking about him at Homegrown, you and I have both met and interviewed him. Um, Which I'd never imagined I would in my life. Yeah, same. And because he, he was actually my earliest gig experience was going and seeing Dee Dee Smash. In fact, my parents were too cheap to pay, so we sat outside and watched the outside of the tent. And then at the end, we got let in to see the last couple of songs they played Outlook for Thursday. And I was a kid, and it was amazing. And I was sitting in his um, office that he had at the time a few years ago, uh, and I was like, how the fuck have I ended up here? Like, Yeah. Yeah. 
Isn't that ama- like? Yeah. Isn't that amazing with people like that? And, yeah. And 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 he's just a normal person. And I was just going to say, like, you, people say this all the time about people, but of all the people to talk about in New Zealand, particularly that have achieved something, and and that's music means something. He's one of the most down to earth, low key people you could. You know, he's the outlook for Thursday as the first song. I feel, in my family, or for my mum and I. It was the first New Zealand song she and I both connected on, mm. and that was the first time we felt like we were from here. Mm. That's what he did. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's like it sounds so silly, and I'm kind of slightly getting watery-eyed about it, but I remember that, watching that music video with my mum or hearing it on the radio, and that's the first time I felt, or she and I both felt, like we belonged here. Mm. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, no, no, I'm... Yeah, I'm, and that's like, the again, the power of art, the power of yeah. someone who makes something, that yeah. you can do that for someone. Yeah. It's just sort of beyond the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Music, nerd, um, gateway. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, there's the... There, I don't know if you've seen this... Um, oh, what's the... It's, it's a documentary about boy bands. I used to be normal. You oh, yes, to, yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I laughed and I cried so hard through mm. that. That is one of my most favourite mm. things I've watched in recent times. Mm. Of how, you know, boy band fandom. Like, think of all the K-pop fans. Think of the Brockhampton stands. Um, the the women that are our mothers and grandmothers who are complete Beatle maniacs. You know, the amount of <clears throat> Pearl Jam posters I had on my walls and, <laughs> like, the ten dollars I sent over to Seattle for my fan club membership. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, that music fandom, and particularly boy band fandom, are gateways for people to then become competent adults. You know, in that documentary, you saw how the young woman who um, became the Backstreet Boys fan page mm. admin. It taught her how to write and become an online writer and code and build websites. You know, that the the woman who is the huge Boyzone fan, like who drives a car with a Boyzone number plate, but the love that she had for that band enabled her to become a professional in her adult life. And so within all this music nerddom, it's a boys club. And not that I've ever felt that, um, but I think music fandom, for whatever it is, and particularly female fandom, is a really empowering thing in that it's the Trojan horse you learn to do things you normally would not realise you would be capable of doing. Another way of thinking about that too, I suppose, is that when you're truly passionate about something, that's when you give your best effort at something so that's so you're learning these skills without it seeming like an arduous learning task yeah it's you're learning as a byproduct of being enthused and focused on something so don't don't not boy 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 band fandom (laughs) you know like if you're teenage girls do you brought it up uh, sort of tangentially do you think that female music fandom is trivialized often a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and you certainly get that. Yeah, well, you But you don't feel that's been your experience overall, uh, or sometimes? No, because 
I mean, I played rugby, I played cricket. I was a, I was kind of like a 14-year-old boy trapped in a girl sort of mm. thing, you know. Not in, like, any way I'm trying to be throwaway about people's yeah, gender yeah. feelings yeah, or anything yeah. like, you know, gender um, persuasions or anything like that. Yeah. But I always just slid in as bad as the boys like you know there's a there's a boys club of music nerds around wellington i'll sidle in with them um yeah i'm it might be to other people but you know we're all outsiders i mean sometimes when you're trapped in a conversation between certain people we know arguing about the merits of uh van morrison's astral weeks versus uh pet sounds by the beach boys <laughs> that's a time to go home yeah 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 and you're like i'm out yeah, I'm finding myself now. I have to sort of tap myself on the shoulder in those conversations and drag myself home. Oh no, I wasn't even in that one. No, no, but I'm just going like I now I, I do at least have that awareness. Hopefully that I'm like right, it's time. Yeah, I was ten minutes and I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, the bed, the Netflix, the children are yeah, calling yeah, me. Time yeah, to go jump yeah. in and watch some wholesome family content. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, what about the Song Crush podcast? Do you want to, can we mention that? Yes. Because I know that's Kirsten's thing. Yes. Right, but you've appeared on that a few times. There's yeah. about eight of them so well, far. But, I've listened to them. I enjoy it. Funnily talking yeah. about mm. women mm. and music. Mm. Kirsten Johnstone, mm -hmm. one of the absolute mainstayers of, let's say, music criticism, music journalism in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, she'll hate me for saying this, but she doesn't see herself as that. Mm. And I think she's got excellent knowledge and a real ear for things but you know I have to tell her that she's good enough to do it she yeah, um I don't know if that sounds right um she still needs encouragement yeah. to take a bit up yeah um she still needs to be told that she has the mandate to do this when I think she's well and truly qualified so I'm so excited that she is making that yeah um and I think we really need it we need people to help us navigate this deluge of modern music and it's i guess it's speaking to what well what you and i've been talking about a fair bit over the last couple of hours but it's it's unashamedly promoting music as just a here's something cool i heard you might like it yeah so it's you know there are personal opinions going on and there are like um you know, sometimes there's a big sort of plug for something and a... It's also is, ribbing of each other's yeah, that's taste. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say, it's very... It's, it's, it's served up in a fun kind of way of, like, um, you might not like this, but I do. And then, oh, of yeah, course, some of, Kirsten's got someone that, you know, falsetto male voices, some <laughs> plinking, finger-picked guitars, whistling... And uh, what's another another thing that she likes? And they're probably some woodwind instruments or a flute. She likes Aldous Harding. Yeah. A lot. Oh, yeah. yeah she yeah. loves Aldous Harding. That might a lot. be why I, I wanted Kirsten to come and do my podcast and she wouldn't. I wonder if that's why. Well, I'll tell her that I've, yeah, yeah. you know, I've. I've Survived. We've talked, well, we've talked about Aldous <laughs> yeah. Harding in the goat video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do it. Um, and, yeah, and of course, I'm always going to pick the completely. <laughs> Like bubblegum, throwaway, hip hop, pop. <laughs> but it's good you've got uh, 
well, you're all established voices. It's all it's all usually pretty much an RNZ crew, but you've got this range of special guests. Special guests. You had John Campbell on there. You've got Nick Bollinger's oh, been on the there. Next you've one got. I'm so excited about, uh, which I've been helping Kirsten um, pull together, is Billie Eilish's new album's coming oh, out. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you listen to much Billie Eilish, mm. but she is the patron saint of teenage girls. Mm. Uh, let me tell you, I got so much so much uh, a- a- admiration and I was in, held in very high esteem when I showed them my picture of me with Billie Eilish. This, this gave me so much currency with 11 yeah. and 12 year old girls. Like, yeah. I am the coolest adult ever. I say this very ironically so I hope that comes across. Um, you know, because I'm always seeking the approval of 11 and 12 year old mm. girls. Um, so we're getting a group of 11 and 12 year old girls to come and give their hot take on Billie Eilish and why it's important to them and why her music speaks to them. Which is is cool for a bunch of reasons including directly addressing any of this idea of female fandom being trivialised. It's actually giving a platform and saying this is why this is... And those girls will, will listen back to that in a few years time and cringe maybe. Or they'll be stoked, or still be. I mean, you know, I've had conversations about being Eilish with them, so I have, you know, I have primed them for this, or I have sort of done my not pre-interview pre-interview with them, Mm -hmm. and the way that the 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 knowledge and the depth that they speak about this Mm. music, it's like this needs to be heard, and also if we are. New Zealand's public broadcaster. Why do we? Why are we not hearing these voices? They are the New Zealand citizens. You know, they are part of the New Zealand mm. fabric. Yeah. That you know, this is their New Zealand. They need to hear. Though we need to hear those voices too. So, mm. yeah. So, that's Kirsten's project, mm-hmm. and that sort of. What's the? Do you know what the sort of? Because one thing RNZ seems to do is start podcasts and then stop them. Do you know what the sort of scope for that is going to be? Is it going to carry on? I hope so. Yeah, me too. I think there's a place yeah. for it. Yeah. And there have been, you know, like some podcasts are just some are limited series, series. things. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Mel- Melodies into a third season yeah. of Bang. Yeah, yeah. She came from RDU. She yeah. came from Music One Hundred and One. Yeah. Uh, so you know, she's into a third season. Yeah. Of her sex and sexuality podcast, so I mean, there's no shortage of music coming out. There's no shortage of music that has been made. Mm. There is enough to talk about for Song Crush, certainly. Um, it gives RNZ a good other. I mean, I know there's more than one, but really, Music 101 is the is the flagship music show. So it gives RNZ another. Outlet, for, outlet for as a music show, like yeah. a standalone music. I mean, I know there's the jazz program and rah rah rah, but really, in terms of popular music, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, and new music, and mm. if, and we, you know, Nick Bollinger mm. is on sabbatical at the moment, mm. writing his book on mm. counterculture. So, mm. you know, we certainly can't replicate that. No one could replicate the sampler. No. So. But we still need to need someone across the new music, so mm. I think this is a nice nice way of doing that. Nice and it's so great it. for yeah. um, Kirsten to get to have her voice and take on music. Uh, you know, I, you know, everyone hears all songs considered, mm. but let's have some woman talking about leading a show about new music. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that um, Laura Marling podcast she did? It was oh. amazing. Where she took, went around and talked to basically women in the music industry but it was everything from like 
female guitar tech to a woman who ran a musical instrument shop to artist managers to other yeah. artists like it was all I you probably know, should listen it's to really that. cool I think she's going to do a second season of it I hope so she's I mean she's a, as good at podcasting as she is at writing and playing music oh, she's so one of those. she's a, a freakish she's realised her potential well she yeah exactly she is a freakish t- well I, I almost think that maybe she hasn't yet which is even more <laughs> freakish about her but I can't remember what it's called, but if you Google that, like that's worth checking out. She must put in a lot of effort. <laughs> needs to, maybe she needs to do a motivational podcast as well. Um, we've had a big old chat. Is there anything that you wanted to put across that we forgot? I'm glad we talked about Song Crush, but is there anything you've got coming up or that you wished I'd asked you about? Or do you want to ask, like ask, me again about, ask me again about reviews for some fucking reason? <laughs> Did you like how the interviewer, interviewee turned it back into... Yeah, I did. I did. It's fun. It's good because these are supposed to be a conversation. There you go. Turned it back on you. Just shifted away. It's good. Yeah. Um, but also, I was really actually genuinely curious to ask you to your face because I've heard people complaining <laughs> about complaining. it to my face. Yeah, yeah. And again, I was like, well, I want to hear your contextualization of it. Mm. I want to hear about your... Um, thinking behind why you do that yeah yeah and if like I, I can't do that how does someone begin to do that so thanks did for I, answering did I satisfy what you did with that answer or do you want another, yeah, I just do you want another 90 minutes no no I just uh, I just um, I just want to see more of your working next time you stick the knife in because I think your working is more interesting yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, that, no, I have nothing. I'm, I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing my voice now, so. Well, it was, um, thank you, because we've had a couple of goes at scheduling this, so thank you for uh, coming around. That's oh, cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Wow!